Oh, fuck pod mom. Well, you got, I mean that in the nicest way yeah, possible. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second official episode of the Pohada podcast and the second installment in the Booze with a Black Belt series. My guest this time around is another member of M Theory Jiu Jitsu and another close friend of mine, Mr. Kevin Skadsheim. Before we get into it, shout out to all you fine people for tuning in. Shout out to Five Watt Coffee, the podcast's official sponsor and the best coffee in the universe. And shout out to last week's contest winner, Bassy1973, who titled his review Always Sunny in the Twin Cities, which was enough to win a free coffee at 5 Watt Coffee. If you'd like a gift card to 5 Watt Coffee, get on Apple or Stitcher, hit the podcast with a five-star review, and write something entertaining, and I'll choose the winner and buy you a coffee at 5 Watt Coffee. Without further ado, my conversation with Kevin Skadsheim. So what are you, are you Norwegian? Yeah, you are mostly a little German and stuff. It's actually funny. You uh, look like like a the prototypical prototypical yeah, Viking. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you? Uh, I am. I'm a pretty. I'm a mixed breed for sure. Um, I do have some Norwegian in me. I think my my last name is actually Norwegian. If I'm been told how do you for, pronounce it? I say Skadsheim, but I've heard it should be Skadsheim. Like you're oh, supposed to emphasize the, the kind of thing, yeah. But I just do like the shime at the end. Okay, because that's how he said it in the test episode. And that's how Marcus said it yesterday. And both times I was like, "Is that right?" And they were like, mm, I, don't know, I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> "I figure if someone gets it within the ballpark, I don't even bother correcting them." No, but yeah. I've uh, I have some Native American in me too. My my sure. entire dad's side of the family is up on uh, Indian reservation. Nice. Yeah. Which, which one? White Earth, up just mm. north of Detroit Lakes. Yeah. And then um, some German, some Irish, just everything, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of Czech, actually. I always forget about that one. But like my great grandma, don't forget about that. My great grandma on my on my <laughs> mom's side, she was like a hundred percent Czech. So she'd have been Czechoslovakian, not yep. Czech Republican. Nope. nope. So I actually did a sixth grade. I did a my country that I did my country report on was Czech Republic. And then yeah. I don't remember anything about it, but I know it used to be Czechoslovakian, but now it's Czech Republic. Yeah. That's all I know about. That's, that's my, that's my knowledge bomb for you guys today. I'm <laughs> in. Oh, I'm in. Yeah, my girlfriend is like, like her great grandmother, is, uh, is, what tribe is it? Like Lakota. Okay. So she's you know X percentage. Yep. And you you know she'd look like she'd be you know completely of my lineage. You know, it's well, that's funny like, how stuff gets bred in and out. I'm pretty watered down. Um, because I like me and my brother tried when we were younger to get like affiliated with the tribe just so we could kind of like exploit the benefits yes, of it, yes. and we we didn't have enough. Oh really? To like get like a just enough card. generations. Yeah. Speaking of mixed breed, what's that dog? You got a good dog, huh? You got an awesome dog. What's Poppy? Poppy? P O P P Y? Yeah, Pop Tart. Pop Tart, I like that even well, it's better. Poppy, but Pop Tart's like their go-to name. That's the formal. So I take her to a daycare when I go to work and stuff because I'm a spaz about leaving her at home alone. Um, Seems right. But, but there's a few poppies at the daycare, so she really? earned the nickname Pop Tart because yeah. they have to differentiate between all the different poppies. Is one of them Big Poppy? Or I don't know. Big Papa? A, I know there's a there's Pop Star. There's oh, a, good, and, good. Um, the, only one, the only other one that was Pop Star, but there's a couple poppies I know for sure. Um, but no, she is a boxer shepherd that I'm aware of, dude, but she definitely has to have some type of like retriever in her as well. Cause she's like a psychopath when it comes to like playing fetch and stuff like yeah. that. Like she is like, I have to make her stop. Otherwise she'd probably just run herself to death. Well, you'd get that with shepherds. Oh, oh I didn't Wouldn't know that. You? Maybe shepherd. Like they want to go and get and run. Anyway, the, the, the handful of ger- pure German shepherds I've ever known. 
Is that the right word? I don't know. Uh, were super crazy. Like you literally had to hide that ball from them by the end of it. Maybe that's where she gets. Oh, oh, oh boy. Look okay. at that. All right. Oh, that's a real beer. That's a real beer. What, what is 12 ounce? 12 ounces. It's a good warm up. It's a good warm up beer. No, she's a, she's a, she's an awesome dog though. She's my little baby. She's very spoiled. You haven't had her that long. Uh, I've had her. It'll be two years in April. Yeah, it's not that long. Yeah. I got her when she was about like 13 weeks, I think. I always screenshot it, and you've seen it. Obviously, you'll yeah. screenshot an important announcement from. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm obsessed with my dog. It's yeah. very it's very apparent if you follow yeah. my social media. Where would I, I go to do that? <laughs> What's your Instagram? Oh, are we are we plugging? Hmm? Yeah, well, of course. It's uh, K I mean, Skadsheim. It's very at K Skadsheim. Yeah, it's very creative. Creative handles are are bad news. You know what I mean. Like you have a creative email, like I heart jujitsu at gmail dot like dude, no, just I think I, Kevin I, 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 actually, I actually did that for a while when I first like got onto Instagram because that's what all the other BJJ athletes were doing. They had like jujitsu with under their name or like whatever. Like Barombroski so, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> some ridiculous yeah, like something that. Something silly that I <laughs> No, I as I think it's like K Scad BJJ or something. I was like Eventually, I was just like, "This is dumb." Like, I am not a brand of yeah. BJJ geese. I'm, like, well, I'm I don't not selling d- anything. Yeah, I don't want to do something just because it's what what other jujitsu people are doing too. Like, like jujitsu. Yeah. 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 <laughs> are we like officially in this thing right now? It's or? all been recording. I'm okay. kind of just. I don't know if I'm, there's like a format. No, no, no. It's okay. kind of a cold start like that, and then I just chop out stuff a little bit. And oh, nice. Where are you from, Kevin? Polly asked you. Oh, I'm sorry. From here originally. Yeah. Um, Minnesota born and raised never left outside of vacations um, I was born in Minneapolis and I lived right over by uh, Matt's bar There's a little plug there for you for, tell are us they what. still open didn't they close one of them places the Juicy Lucy places one of them like closed Matt's bar is still open I'm pretty sure that place okay. is like a Minneapolis uh, 2020 headlines who even knows historic site yeah um, but no I lived like half a block from there and I lived there till like beginning of third grade so like right before I turned nine um, my parents moved us up to small town of pine city and that's that's basically where the rest of my growing up was but then um obviously came back to the cities for school and then work and things like that after high school so that's that's my that's my upbringing how old are you i'm 35 years young oh you are yeah oh. hmm. i look 40 don't I? I i had you i had you pegged for older <laughs> than me and i don't even mean that in a bad way like how old are you 35 oh when, when's your birthday april 18th uh, I am younger. November. <laughs> younger and better. Damn. <laughs> but yeah, um, grew up in small town Pine City. I think I'm just a city guy at heart, though, because mm-hmm. I go back up. Like, my mom still lives up there and stuff, and I go back there, and I just... it's. I mean, it's it's like a really, like... It's, it's small town, so everything's really simple up there, but there's just, like... Nothing for someone like me to do, I guess. Like, it's not the right stimulation for you. No, I mean, like, obviously, like, there's bars to drink at and stuff, but I just don't. I like to drink, but I don't like to party. Yeah, I guess it's not it's, a lifestyle. No, it's, no, it's not. I actually remember sitting on the bench between rounds in one of my rare off rounds. <laughs> one of your rare <laughs> off rounds, actually, next to you, uh, and you said because you had seen my like beer Instagram nonsense or something, yeah. and you were like, "Man, I had a beer last night and it was good, but you know, I'm just so dehydrated today just from that one beer." So I pegged you for a guy that just didn't even bother. Oh no! And here um, we are having booze with a black belt. Yeah. Which is no, I my my drinking has definitely increased during yeah. the pandemic, sure. so, which I'm sure everyone's has. Yeah. Not to an unhealthy standpoint or anything. I, 
Paul very, over there I'm like, a very high functioning alcoholic. Yeah, so, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably like if it was a Saturday morning, like that's always hard to recover. I'm sure it was a Saturday it was morning. A Saturday morning. Yeah, because yeah. those those Friday nights and then turn around Saturday mornings are always difficult on the body in terms of recovery and hydration. Yeah. I feel yeah. like, and especially yeah. when you mix a few Friday night beers in there, it's right. Holy crap! Does it does it work against your like sense of hydration? Like yeah. Just a couple of beers, even if you follow it with Gatorade and water, you're yeah. still like. Yeah, even New Year's, I I made sure to pop my my Pedialyte drink before before I went out and had some drinks, and I still felt like death the next Full day. Full Pedialyte. Huh? Well, I get the the Pedialyte packets. So you just like dump it into like a sixteen ounce mm-hmm. bottle of water, and is P- am I thinking of the right thing? The Pedialyte, like that's for babies and stuff when they get diarrhea originally but all of us like meatheads and stuff took it over it's for, for partiers too yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody realized it's good enough for baby yeah, yeah. it's good enough for my drunk ass you ever cut weight for, for a turn you, you, you do tournaments right yeah no actually um i so like my my um introduction into brazilian jiu-jitsu i actually dabbled in amateur mixed martial arts for a while in my 20s there seems to be a lot of those actually yeah. people that got into like fighting and then they realized they I don't want to get punched in the, in the head. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this guy's going to pretend to choke me. I like yeah. that better. No, and like when I did it, like I was not training like the way a mixed martial artist should be training. Like, um, I you mean, should have been doing one of those tough man competitions. Yeah, probably. I mean, like I, I was, I was like training with some wrestlers and stuff like yeah. that. So I was getting some good rolling in, but like our striking, we would essentially just spar with each other. So that there wasn't like a lot of like technique building awful, going on there. Awful. Just, so, I mean, I won a few fights, but I, in it. yeah. But I definitely lost more fights than I won. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had several actual, like, I signed up, paid the money, signed the waiver, did a fight. Yeah. Well, you didn't have to pay money to compete in mixed martial arts. Um, yeah, I fought at, like, Black Bear Casino a few times and down at, in Savage at Neeson Sports Bar. There's a there's a promoter that does a lot of shows down there. I was 3-5, and five, I believe, was my amateur mixed martial arts record. But, I mean, it, it introduced me to jiu-jitsu, obviously, sure. and I fell in love with it, but... Back to your initial question about cutting weight, which that was really a long tangent. Um, it's the best kind. Yeah, I would actually cut quite quite a bit of weight for those because I would walk around at like 190 and I would cut down to like 170 for my fights. So yeah, that's significant. Yeah. What do you What do you tend to be right now, just for reference? Uh, I walk around at about a buck 95 right now, which is a little heavier than I would want to be. Because um, I I think like naturally I should be competing at middleweight, which is 181.5 with a gi on. And I would that's prefer- a big old difference. Am I wrong? From one ninety five down to one eighty. Yeah. yeah, that's. I mean, in terms of like living close enough so that it yeah, be, you know, a little bit of restriction yeah. a couple of days out. But that just that's just pandemic weight is what I like to think sure. of it as. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, there's always this meme. I have largely a fitness background, and there's this meme every year, kind of cold hearted meme. It's you know. Stop blaming the holidays. You were fat in August. <laughs> so <laughs> rude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and then, but it's one that you read and you go, yeah, 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 okay, you know, lay off me. But then it's also like, you know, stop blaming 2020. You were an alcoholic in 2019. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just chill out over there. No, I definitely like, just like with working with home and everything, when you get like your mornings back, like after the, the pandemic hit, it just, it just makes it easier to have a few drinks at night because you, sleep in a little longer you don't have to worry about rushing around getting to work in the morning and things like that and then obviously there's literally nothing else to do when the lockdowns are in effect so mm-hmm. yeah, that's I, my excuse well yeah the reason, <laughs> the reason sounds better than excuse yeah when i started doing jujitsu it was like post a peck tear 
So that derailed the powerlifting stuff. Oh, I didn't right? know that happened. So I was like out of shape, little fluffy, weaker than ever, you know, and concerned about a thing, right? Um, so then I spent like the first year essentially like, okay, I got to improve my cardio. Like I knew I was going to have to, but holy crap. And then deliberately like losing a few pounds just to make moving around easier, yeah. you know? And so I went from like probably around 300 pounds down to like 270 to 275, somewhere in that's that a good, range. That's a good drop. And inside of the first month, like March 15th to April 15th of 2020, when everything shut down. Right all, back all up. Back up <laughs> I just gunned it, you know what I mean? And again, I'm back down, you know, south of uh, 280 or whatever. But man, that goes quick if you're not paying attention. When did you start jujitsu? April 1st. Of 2019? 2019, yeah. And you started at M-Theory? Yeah. Okay. You? I originally started at a gym down in Savage. Uh, I think that they're an American top team affiliate. Um, and then why down there? Were you living down there at the time? No, that's how I initially got introduced to it actually was. So I had a friend that like he wrestled in high school and all that. Um, and then like a few years after, like I've always been interested in like UFC and watching fighting and stuff, but he, Mm -hmm. he knew a guy that he worked with that trained at this gym. And we, like he was telling him how like there's this amateur MMA show, and I was like, oh, I want to try that. Yeah. So like we started training at that gym in Savage because that's where the guy he knew trained yeah. from. So that's kind of how I got exposed yeah, to it. Follow your friends, there, yeah. Essentially, right? Um, but no, I, I wasn't living anywhere near there, and it was quite a drive. But yeah. what's the name of the place? Um, American Top Team Savage is the oh, team okay. name. Well, I don't know if that's a school. I think it's like it's like Minnesota School of Martial Arts or something sure. along those lines. I guess I haven't heard yeah, I don't. They they have a lot of like fighters there, but I don't know like if they have a lot of like. I mean, they have a jujitsu program, but I don't know what yeah. their competitive jujitsu like scene is like. I guess. But I, then I trained at the cellar for a while. I just um, saw a post from them. They got like a new whole new facility all decked. Yeah, it looks like they made a hell of an upgrade. Yeah, um, cool. yeah they. Had, I think Randy Dorkson started there too, right? Randy. Yeah, the guy that manages M Theory, Randy Dorkson. Is, I don't. I mean, I understand the Dorkson reference, but why Randy? Because it's fun to make fun of Randy <laughs> Dixon. So Randy, I think he did. Wasn't he a seller guy too? Like, yeah. So, um, seems like that's sort of a normal thing. People kind of move around. And, yeah. And, so so it was me, Ethan, Randy Dorkson, and Heidi kind of made the the exodus oh, over at the same time from the seller to yeah. to um, M Theory, and then. Uh, Molly, Ethan's girlfriend, came over as well at one point. She had M Theory. And there's a few more that have trickled over in the years as well. Like yeah. Doug trickled over and then J- uh, Jack. So, yeah. But like someone like you starting out at M Theory, like that's a really lucky way to start. Well, like, the, the, well but not even lucky. I, you know, I, I was telling Polly when we did like a test conversation um, that. It was probably three to four years of consideration into the making me. Oh, I, was, I did the same starting thing. Starting jujitsu at all, yeah. but I happen to know, like my buddy Chris Claviter has been a member at three different. Is places. that how you say his last name? Claviter, yeah. Okay, I always said it in you my head as Claveter. You say it absolutely okay. however you want to, say it. <laughs> but it, I believe Claviter is the yeah. But like I was, I you know, I had multiple text conversations with him over the years of where to go, what was close to me, and I'm close to a few of them living in Plymouth. You know what I mean? and where he had gone and what his experience was. And, and then I think one of the last conversations was just tell me where to go. And he's <laughs> like, well, if you want to be a savage and I was like, well, I don't, but I like the sound of that. Like, <laughs> it sounds cool. Let's go, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's sort of like, but that's just me being a wimp. Like what you do is you decide you want to do the thing. You sign up and join 
and eventually you move because there's a more convenient location or you just want a different culture or maybe you know somebody at a different gym or you'd be like me and you spend four years deliber- deliberating. Well, I, de- I deliberated for a while as well. Like I, I remember actually walking into the cellar like before I even got involved in like amateur MMA and stuff like that. And this was at like their like t- t- two or three locations ago because they've, they've moved up, they've upgraded quite a few times with their, with their location. But um, I remember walking in and like talking to Chris about it at the time. And then he's like, oh, yeah, stop by later and try out a class or whatever. And I'd never stopped by later to try out a class. <laughs> the majority of people he's ever said that to. Yeah, for sure. It's just how gyms and gyms yeah, work. Yeah. But somehow I, I managed to make my way back around and got into it. So thank God. Yeah. I couldn't imagine where I'd be right now if I hadn't stuck with it. About 275. Probably about 275, yeah. Smoking, doing all that stuff, I'm sure. So part of being an M theory person and coming in here for this conversation is that there's a, it's a way I want to start each episode, but it never works out because here we are talking or whatever. But anybody that's got like an M theory tie or goes to M theory, I'm going to ask them to, yeah, it's good that you cleared your throat. I'm going to ask them to do their best Ishmael Bentley impression. Oh, Jesus. So, there, I, okay, I'm just going to do a go with the story. So... I, um, I was I was dating my ex at the time, and it was uh, it was the day it was the day after Valentine's Day because me me and her when we were dating at the time, we were like okay well since Valentine's Day is on a Thursday this year let's just decide we'll go out on Friday so we don't have to deal with the Valentine's crowd and things like that. So I was ta- I was at open roll Friday evening and I knew I had to leave by a certain time so I, I was getting ready to leave class early and I went to tell Ishmael just to let him know like I wasn't like storming out angry or anything but I was like yeah Ishmael I gotta go. I gotta go do my uh, Valentine's Day dinner tonight. He kind of looks at me with his side eyes. He's like, "Valentine's Day is over." <laughs> I just remember that that quote specifically. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds one you can you can feel the eyes rolling as you, as you describe it, uh, and also that's exactly what I would expect him to say. But I got also I gotta add that was a little Mike Tysony. Yeah. Yeah. A little Tyson vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. It's also I would expect Mike Tyson to say that same thing. No. That's it? That's the only one? That's the only one I can think. I'm not... I'm so bad at impressions. I don't want to... Oh, yeah. Who's good at impressions? I don't know. It's a, it's a show of respect. I'm sure that's how he's going to take me having people do that on every single one of these. And then the other... I'll think of another one. Like, this is going to be an even worse impression than the one I did, but we're... It was like one of my first times training at M-Theory, and we were doing an inversion drill, and he's, he's describing how to invert. And, like, you know, you... You put one foot on the chest, and then you can kind of invert that way. But this is the way he said it really stuck in my head. He's like, I put my foot in his chest. So he has yes. that, that southern accent, which really in play there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then you do it, and you do it right. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I'm guessing I've never really done much right. Sorry, you, can you repeat? You've never really done much what? I'm just, I was just saying I've never really done much right. So when I hear him saying oh. yes, it's not directed at me. <laughs> Sorry, I completely spaced on that. I was trying to. You were trying to think of. I was trying to think of another impression I could do. Yeah, that's, fine. that's why I was just sitting there staring at you. I, I was like, "Wait, did you just ask me something?" <laughs> um, I do want to ask you actually. Uh, Paulie showed me a video, like a seemingly notorious video of you at a tournament from a couple of years ago. Okay. Uh, and I want you to tell me about it. Can you? You, you can won a match in like twelve seconds. Oh, the wrist lock match. Super the standing wrist lock. Yeah, that was. Like when you when I did that, like I felt like such a dickhead afterwards. But it's like it's there's nothing illegal about it. But like it's such like a ch- cheap way to win a match. I feel like 
<laughs> so this is where I frame it like I'm new to this. Right. I don't know a lot about jujitsu. That's why I'm bringing real people in to, to talk about jujitsu. But like real people within the within the, within the confines of like strongman, which yeah. I competed in in a long uh, for a good number of years. You pick the thing up, and then that's it. Like in powerlifting has like kind of more specific, more picky rules. But like you know, you see videos of strongmen doing deadlifts and stuff, and they're like crooked and bouncing off of the right. knees and all this like. It's a little bit how I think of jujitsu, like within a reasonable set of rules, win the match. So like if taking a joint and bending it the wrong way is jujitsu, yeah. then wrist locks are jujitsu and yeah. you just won the match. Am I yeah. wrong? No, you're you're one hundred percent correct. So um, it suits the bias in this <laughs> situation. So I like that was um I think it was twenty seventeen, American Nationals in Vegas. So like obviously like when you when you're in like competing in jiu-jitsu don't do this to your training partners obviously <laughs> i'm gonna do it but like when you like go to grip someone's collar like in standing at the beginning of the match like you need to keep like your wrist firm and like things like that and like that it was the beginning of the match and he went to grip my collar and like his wrist was just super loose and relaxed so like i just did the standing wrist lock to him where you yeah. grab behind the elbow and just like drive it into your chest and like it popped like three times and he he, so he sank right into. Oh it. yeah, he like I, I I went for it like until he like cried out in pain and like. Wait, hold that. on, now you went for it until he cried out in pain. But the, <laughs> according to the video, this is like a second at most. Like it, that, I mean, they come on. Well, that's how, yeah, it doesn't take much. Yeah. Like when you like if you get someone with a relaxed wrist and you go to like pull in against like your chest on that wrist lock, it's just gonna go pop 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 and just accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that was that was a nice because that was the, that was the semifinal, so that was a nice like. Because I had won the previous match on points, so like that was nice to just get that kind of nice breather and kind of coast into the finals that way. So yeah, you earned the last match. It was kind of a nice little break. Yep, exactly. So what do you? I've doing? only actually been wrist lock once. Again, I ain't been around too long, and it was Colin Bartle. Okay. And right as he sank it in, where was it from? I don't even remember it because I was super new at the time. Because right as he sank were you a white belt? In, right as he sank it in, he said, "Wait, are you a white belt?" Ah. <laughs> It's one of my favorite stories so far. Go for it and figure out the details later. You know, no, don't wrist lock, wrist lock white belts. One hundred percent. Apologize. He's like, I, you know, I think I again, I have a, kind of a familiar vibe in the place. You know, I sort yeah. of showed up and now I'm here. You yeah. know, so I think he kind of assumed it was it was a no gi class, so he you know couldn't see the belt. Yeah. The no, there's there's no. I'm only only kidding around. I mean, obviously you should not wrist lock white belts, but there's. There's been a couple of times when I've been rolling around with a white belt and they're kind of flailing around a lot. You kind of just want to like mm-hmm. get annoyed a little bit and you kind of want to like, Pull the leash. yeah, but you know, you gotta, you gotta be nice to white belts for sure. Got to keep them coming, keep them coming back. You don't want to like, you don't want some new guy like, or gal, just using guy, but, um, you don't want them coming in and like becoming terrified of it. Like you want them to like fall in love with jujitsu and stuff like that. So more training partners. Yeah. But once I get the blue belt, that's when you just start beating the shit out of them. I know. That's, <laughs> that's why, like I told Marcus, that's why uh, Ishmael gave me a black belt as a joke. I'm sorry, a blue belt. <laughs> wow. A blue belt as a joke so that people would start being mean to me. Um, you got a black belt. I do. It's a real smack. I mean, a smack in the face in a, in a good way because it, it was very surprising when I got that. And things like, um, But no, it was... It's a great feeling. I mean, I would I've been doing jujitsu strictly since October of 2012, and then whatever experience I had before that, just from training for MMA fights. 
Um, so I was about eight years in when I got the black belt tied around my waist. And it sounds like 10 to 12 of like, quote unquote, training. Yeah. I mean, def- I've been, I mean, I've been involved in martial arts since, I mean, if you want to count my uh, youth karate days, but, uh, since I, it's around, I think it was 2009 when I did my first amateur MMA fight. So no, definitely. Like when I, I'm like, when I got it, it definitely didn't sink in right away either. Cause like, obviously like you wanted to sleep with the thing after you get a black belt and stuff like that. But then you could say you slept with a black belt. Exactly. That's what I was going for. I'm glad you picked up on that. But no, like after a few weeks, like it definitely started to feel a lot more like normal to be like, oh, I have a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu now. Yeah. Did you roll with, with like Ish that day? I don't remember. Because they did it like before class. If yep. I, I don't, I didn't roll with Ish at all. I don't know if, if there's like sort of a, tech, a usual like traditional, you know, like this slapping with the belt thing that some places. Oh uh-huh, yeah. I, that happened to me when I got my purple belt. First throw at a new belt. The, yeah. The instructors take it or whatever it is. No, I don't. I mean, no, Ish and I didn't roll that day. I don't think. What about Jared? I didn't roll with Jared either. Who'd you roll with that day? How about that? Maybe that's a good, maybe that's the question. <laughs> um, was that first, was a while was ago. your first I mean, roll as a black belt? You got to remember that. Who was it? I feel it? like I'd be all about that little data point. Oh, it's Ethan. I'm pretty sure me and Ethan just partnered up, I think. Oh, oh, so I know that actually for a fact now that you say it because I took some pictures and I remember you two guys squaring off and I was like, oh, oh that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it was Ethan. But I like it was just like a lot of people were just kind of coming up asking if they wanted to roll and I, if someone asked me if they if I want to roll, like I don't. I'm never like, no, I don't want to roll with you. Like, I say no all the time. <laughs> I'm getting a drink, man. Leave me alone. Well, I mean, you should be able to say no. Like, you don't have to roll oh, yeah. with anyone you don't want to roll with, but I'm just. It's a consent game. Yeah, absolutely. No, but I, I definitely like, like when I roll now, I like, I, now that I have a black belt, I try to like pay a lot more attention to like how I'm doing things. Cause like, obviously like my weak point, I mean, one of my many weak points, but like, is like being able to articulate and like teach it to people. And I want to be able to teach someday. So, but like, sure, yeah. I've never just been like, I can, I'm capable of like doing things while rolling jujitsu, but like, I, I don't know if I could like clearly explain how, how I do things or why I do them and things like that. So since I got my black belt, I've definitely been trying to like pay more, pay more attention to that. And do you think that's a pretty common thing actually? I think it depends people, on people get personalities. Start thinking about it a little bit differently. Oh, that's different, definitely common. I bet. Role in the gym. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah, that's definitely common, I think. But, like, I think, like, some people are just naturally good teachers, and they're just naturally, like, they can articulate. Like, Marcus is, like, really good at, like, articulating. Like, I just think he's, I mean, he's been teaching for a while as well, but he's he's just a lot more natural at it than my personality type is, so. The first time that I ever, that I recall seeing Kyle say anything to anyone was, like, a week after he got his black <laughs> You know? Like, Kyle is a man of few words. He, he's not a big, you know, chatter for the most part. But I remember, like a week after he got his black belt, he was like way down on like quote unquote the shallow end of the mat with like a day one white belt, you know. And it's open roll because you know post COVID, it was just sort of like whoever wants to roll can roll. Yeah, don't even need the yeah. Stripes kind of deal. And he spent the whole round just sort of talking through stuff and explaining. Stuff. Oh, nice. And I was like. That's got to be the black belt effect. It's purely probably coincidental, you know, but like it just seemed like suddenly yep. I saw him doing that thing. One of the things I remember hearing uh, Throw's coach say was, because um, I was a thrower, you know, Highland Games and stuff later on, but like shot put and discus, and I remember there's a line in throwing that you're going to learn more from a 150-foot discus thrower than you are from a 200. 
because a 200 guy was born a 200 guy mm-hmm. you know training and all that is required but like odds are that 150 guy busted his butt right there right was a better understanding and had to learn things different ways and hear things phrased different ways and just had a more diverse view of it you know well, and it seems like that sort of well that's kind of like that you don't just get a black belt because you were on part of yeah. the black belt like everybody learns it the blue collar hard way so like whether or not you've strung the words together before they're there yeah well that's kind of like like you always hear that in jiu-jitsu too is like if you want to roll with someone that's super technical like roll with like women or like lower weighted people like because they're not just like you know using that brute strength to get through it they've they've actually like learned yeah day of that right there's a there was a after m theory reopened there's a new guy who actually had done some powerlifting and stuff. He's, he's pure, you know, straight white belt, no rank from any other gym or anything. And I've chatted with him a little bit because he's a small guy. He's like 130, 140 pounds. Asif, I think is what it was. I've only chatted with him a couple times. But, you know, he's just diving in enthusiastically to this jiu-jitsu thing and, like, just kind of doing this, like, throwing himself at people thing, letting the legs whip around and tipping them backwards <laughs> from a kneeling position, you know? And I saw him do it a couple times, and I was like, I like this guy. He's getting good energy, you know? Is that the guy that, like, does, like, triathlons? I don't know. I didn't really talk to him about, it. you know, kind of, like, mid- Middle Eastern complexion and, like, long, curly, dark hair. Again, he, he probably did, like, half a dozen classes in that first week, okay. right? We paired off on the last round, and he went to do it. Where like he goes almost chest to chest and the legs come around and kind of just knocks his his opponent backward, you know. And I just stuck my arm out because I have terrible fighting instincts. Like, <laughs> you would have arm barred me, right? But he doesn't know nothing about that. But I'm also 300 pounds, so I put my arm out and he went ass over tea kettle, man. Like just completely <laughs> flipped over backward and he got up and he's like, "Well, that's not going to work here." Is it? I'm like, I, man, I don't know if I can stop you, but that ain't going to work, you know. And like, like, so yeah, I mean, like, I have moments where, like, I can hang on to Polly's collar even though he's got two hands trying to break the grip because I can, you know. So I've, I've got a certain amount of control because I do, which puts me on a worse curve than somebody else because <laughs> they never had that advantage, quote unquote, advantage, right? So yeah, you take a small person or your average female and they got to get technical right off the bat, it yep. seems like. Yeah. That's why I like rolling with Big Jesse, Blue Belt Jesse. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. We're just a mess. It's just disgusting. He was, Like, I was watching him actually rolling, like, before the last closedown. He was actually, like, doing some pretty, like, cool, like, explosive-type movements, yeah. like, for guard passing and yeah. stuff like that. I was like, he's oh, not he's afraid to go for it. Exactly. Sure. I was like, I was watching him. I was like, that's, I can't remember who he was rolling with, but I think he went for, like, a really, like, quick, explosive, like, knee slice. And I was like, oh, yeah. that looked, that looked really good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid to do anything explosively. Really? Which, and I think it's just, like, nice guy slash big well guy that's good actually that you're aware like that yeah myself yeah you know well you definitely like when you're like rolling like that like or training you you want to know like okay like i can roll with this guy and i know i can just go like competition style because he's in here for the same reason there's things like that and then like you roll with someone that's like 50 and like doing this as a hobby it's like okay i need to change the style that i'm rolling this round and but no like I'm, I'm, I try to be really like conscious about that when I'm training on the, like on the mats and stuff like that. Is I don't want to be like that asshole that's just going balls out like no matter who it is every round. Yeah. Like, because yeah. you definitely want to help people out and help everyone else get better in that sense. So, going balls out the entire time is not a good way to do that with everyone. Except for Potterbomb. 
Oh, fuck pot bomb. Well, you got, yeah, I mean that in the nicest way yeah, possible. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> when I've seen you guys roll, it's like, all right, they're gone. Yep. Yeah, pot bomb, Ethan, Marcus. I mean, those are always guys that you just kind of. Is that kind of like the third tier of black belts at M Theory? Like, I'm totally creating this little theory, but like, it seems like Rocco's been around forever and Ish has been around forever. And then, like, I perceive at least HBK, Brian HBK has been around a minute for sure. You know, they're like 15, 20 years into the training yeah. jiu-jitsu, and then there's kind of like the last five years of black belts. Yeah, that's, I mean, well, Potabon's just got a stripe, so he's he's been a black belt for at least three years. Three years right? yeah. um, but obviously, Ethan Marcus and I are, are fresh, and Kyle. Um, yeah, he was just a few, couple weeks before you guys, yep. maybe three weeks. Yep. Um, Sorry, it seems like there's waves, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like, oh, yeah, these yeah. Guys come in together yeah. and they train. Yep. No, I see yeah, what you mean now. Another group that sort of comes in, comes in together and trains. And yep. The guys who survive it end up getting promoted together in sort of waves, it seems like. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the next wave is, though. That's kind of where I was going. Yeah. Like it's, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was trying to think of it in my head as, you, as I was like saying that. Yeah. but It immediately leads you to go, hmm, it'll be interesting in 10 years to see who yeah. survives long enough to... I usually like if someone gets their purple belt, like you, you can. It's generally a safe assumption that they're not going anywhere. Like they might slow down or like things like that, but I, they're usually going to stick with it because you, you've already invested like so much time just to get like to that level. That because I definitely think. I mean, I think it's kind of common knowledge as well. But like blue belt is like the definitely the hardest belt to get through for sure. I mean, not, I, not everything's new and shiny and it actually is taking a fair bit of effort now. And yeah. And then like, obviously like you got that first promotion out of the way. So you're feeling kind of like accomplished in that sense. So it's like, ah, oh, maybe I better coast from here or something, but, or maybe that's enough. That's the, yeah. Hit, you know? yeah. Yeah. And I'll be, I mean, obviously like blue balls are notorious for getting their asses kicked all the time in the gyms too. Cause like I said earlier, they're just kind of an open target. So <laughs> I, I, don't, I mentioned this with either Paulie or Marcus on the earlier conversations, but I feel like as a big guy blue belt, like technically bigger than most folks in the gym, that that's an exaggerated thing even. Like there's a gear that you go into when you're like, well, I'm not going to accidentally hurt this dude. Let's go, <laughs> you know? Because like I haven't had, like I think I even used the example of uh, Vince Olapalooza. That's such a... Such a handsome last name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's got style. Uh, but like, I rolled like twice with him, and it was like, I'm going to watch you for the rest of the day <laughs> and see if it looks like what I'm experiencing right now, sir. And it didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Vince is a good role. Yeah, he's, sure. he's a pain in the ass. He's willing to move a yeah. lot and fast. Who, who, who do you like, like in that purple belt rank? Who do you like to roll with? Oh, there's a lot of fun people to roll with. Aaron Chaney is probably... My favorite purple, and now now that Connor has his purple because he's a pain in the ass as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like rolling with Aaron. I would say Aaron's my favorite purple ball to roll with. I actually, he's on my. I even told him after I like I rolled with him a handful of times, or maybe a couple times, spaced by a few months, and then a couple times real close together. I was like, "You're my metric roll." <laughs> metric roll. Yeah, like like honestly, <laughs> like when I roll with a certain person, is usually on the other end of the mat from me. How does that go? And it's like after, you know, six or eight rolls or whatever, it's distinctly less awful, <laughs> still awful, right? But distinctly like different or slightly better, you know, same thing with Micah. He's one for me just because he's a bigger cat. Yeah, Micah, that guy is so strong. Dude, Connor is the strong one. 
Connor, yeah, Connor has like a lot of athleticism as well. So that's well, no, I mean yes, but I think I even like the one time I ever rolled with him, and I always put rolling air quotes when I say <laughs> that I rolled. I mean, um, you don't have to quote it yet. You're, you're rolling. <laughs> I'm laying flat on my back. When I laid flat on my back with Connor one time, uh, I even said to him afterwards because I'm the guy very often that gets the "Wow, you're strong" insult at the end of a roll, you know, because <laughs> it's an insult in jujitsu, right? You know. Um, he said, or I said, um, "Dude, you're a strong cat," and he was like, "Well, thank you," or whatever he said, you know. And I said, "Do you work for a living?" Because <laughs> it's different. Like I'm probably like relative to a barbell, I'm probably the strongest person to walk into that gym, right? That's been my occupation yeah. as a, both literally my occupation as for recreation for years. But like, I was like, this guy turns hammer or turns wrenches and swings hammers and stuff. You could just tell any, he, he is like, he's yeah, he's an electrician, electrician yeah. and construction and stuff. Well, like Zach Jeffrey, that guy does like, like woodworking and stuff like that. Like, like yeah, like classic. Tools, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, when, when he gets a grip on you, like you're like, and you see his hands too. And you're yeah. just like this. Yeah, wow. That is, what, that is a man hand for sure. Peter call monkey, monkey paws or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. It doesn't match him. That's absolutely true. I am sure I'd never noticed his like grip, you know, when he yeah. takes a grip because I was so focused on his knee and my ribs. I'm a simple guy, man. I hear you, know, you man. Yeah. I like things simple. Bottle looks cool though. Mm -hmm. I actually had a few of those Christian Brothers last night. I was just telling Polly about that. It's like Christian Brothers is like the type of stuff where like you can drink it and drink it and drink it because it's so smooth, and then all of a sudden you're hammered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's probably in the business model. Somebody, <laughs> some couple smart guys sat down at some point and was like, "Well, let's see. We need them to buy more of it, which means we need them to drink it now." Yeah, what uh, Benedictine and brandy, that kind of thing. What is it again? Benedictine and brandy. I don't know what that is. Do you have sweet tooth at all? Oh, I have a major sweet tooth, yeah. dude. You can get a bottle of B&B, &B, Benedictine and brandy from like most liquor stores. I apologize for telling you this. This is going to be you know, bad <laughs> longevity, I guess. I don't know. But like, yeah, it's it's Benedictine and brandy and like a cocktail, but just a bottle of it. Wait, what is, what is, so what is Benedictine? Things that you better look at Polly and ask that. Polly, what is Benedictine? I knew that, bro. <laughs> it's a liqueur, I know. It's not in my portfolio. We yeah, for sure. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you know, I mean, spices and... Okay. You know, it's basically if you went to, you know, Marvel Bar, may it R.I.P., and said, I want such and such cocktail, they'd muddle together and mix together all this stuff, and you'd be like, oh, that's a cool, unique drink using okay. the booze I like. Same kind of thing. You just get a bottle of it, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a real cocktail guy, though, either, like... Like, I like to, like, sip on brandy. Otherwise, I just, like, drink beer. Like, I think the only cocktails I'll drink are, like, if this is even cocktail, but, like, mimosas on, like, holidays. Like, I like to drink those a lot, but does that, does that qualify as a cocktail, Paulie? For sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my, mine, for that kind of thing, like, there's three, like, stereotypical New Year's Eve out with the family for, like, brunch. What's the, what's the tomato one that everybody likes? Bloody Mary? Ugh. Bloody Mary. I used to like those a lot, but I, I got, I just, one thing that pisses me off about Bloody Marys is like when you go to these places, you order Bloody Mary and they try to like put on this big show about it. Like they're, they're putting cheeseburgers on top of the thing. It's like, just give me the fucking drink. Like I don't, 
I want to order a cheeseburger, I'll order a cheeseburger. If I want to, like, I'm ordering a Bloody Mary because I want the drink. Like, I don't need all this shit on there. Yeah, like and they charge you like thirty dollars for it. And three different yeah. And I mean, I don't mind if they put a beef stick in there or something like that. But like, sure. when they they're putting all the, the the burgers on top and whatever all that other crap is, it's it's nonsense. I think I agree with that. Yeah. So Bloody Mary, mimosa, but mine is a, the tequila sunrise. I think I've had like one of those in my life. Ever met me? He's like, yeah, of course you went with tequila for a breakfast drink, you know. But like, that's definitely a screw up is a good breakfast drink too. Would say it again. Screw up. I identify with it. What's it? It's it's like a screwdriver, but they put a splash of Seven Up in it as well, so it gives it that fizz. That's a good breakfast drink. It's kind of like a. That's not a good breakfast. It's kind of. It's like the worst possible (laughs) thing you could drink. It's a good thing to consume right away in the morning. Let's see, I got alcohol and I got sugary juice. Let's throw some soda in there and call her a morning. Like what? No, it's like a like a rednecks like uh mimosa essentially. Yeah, like I said, I, I am identifying with it. I like that. When I first started um let's not say training jujitsu just yet. That's like when I put blue belt in air quotes and rolling in air quotes. When I first started showing up to jujitsu <laughs> stuff, uh Zach Jeffrey Ask me what I want to be good at when I'm a black belt. What are you good at as a black belt? Um, God. <laughs> I like training really hard, like, in that sense. I mean, if you're asking for, like, a specific technique, but, I, like, that's always been, like, my favorite part of, like, training is just, like, like doing, like, competition camps and stuff like that. Like, I really... Pushing yourself. Yeah, I've like always that. really enjoyed that and, like, that feeling when you get done of just, like, that accomplishment and you're, like, completely exhausted and... Like I like, like I always say, like I like to sweat. Like, like one of my biggest pet peeves is like walking into the gym and it's like, either the AC is too high in the summer or like, they didn't turn the heat up high enough in the winter and it's yeah. like you're chilly and the the mats are cold and stuff like that. I, I get a little irritated. Saturday morning when Dorsey yep. shows up late. And, uh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Because he's been out at the bar drinking until 3 a.m. Classic Dorkson. So, but don't be Midwestern modest about this. Like. I hate the phrase, but your game, your jiu-jitsu game, what, what are you good at? Uh, I definitely, I play a half guard, like knee shield type game. Like that's my like core foundation for sure. Um, I think like around like the end of purple belt, getting into the brown belt, I started opening it up into like, uh, like um, playing like a spider guard game along with it to kind of like just evolve my game a little bit. But like, I love guard passing. Like aside from like hitting a submission, like I love like guard passing. Like, I think it's one of the most satisfying things in jiu-jitsu is, like, getting past someone's guard for sure. How, how would that not be the most satisfying? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I've officially beaten yeah. you in some regard. Like, in a fight fight, I just won. Yeah. Right? Isn't that? Yeah. Like, I, I just like that blitzing aspect of, like, passing guard where you just, like, yeah. you do those really quick blitzes and you try to, like, get past their guard and you just do use a misdirection going one way or the other. And you is just that what of... you're supposed to do? Fast <laughs> yeah. and, like, misdirection? Okay. You can. I mean, let it's me, like. Let me write this down. <laughs> I mean, you could smash pass as well too, but I mean, Trust it's it's me. a, it's a the lot only funner. Time I've ever passed a guard. Was like, <laughs> well, I grabbed your leg. Now I'm gonna lean on it. Yeah. And, hey, look at that. That worked. <laughs> no, that's like, like I said. Aside from like hitting a submission, like that feeling, like you're blitzing and going back and forth and trying to get past the guard, and finally, like you get past and you just kind of like feel your opponent, like they've just accepted that you passed their guard, and they're like, me, okay, I yeah. <laughs> good at that part uh what's submission though you said submission is satisfying you like that what, um what do you like hitting a triangle is like probably like 
a very a very fun submission to hit. Um, I like taking backs too, so hitting like a bow and arrow or something or some type of collar choke from the back is yeah. always a good one. Any, basically, like aside from like getting the back, like anything like off of your back is really like you hit an arm bar from your guard or something like that too is always a fun feeling. Marcus was talking about uh, baseball chokes, baseball bat chokes. I don't do those a lot. Like I, no, they're but, super but powerful. Like ten minutes into our conversation or his description of you know certain instances and stuff, it dawned on me he wasn't talking from mount. Like that like I've seen it instructed in like essentials class a handful of times and it's like okay you've mounted the person you're going to isolate this arm you're going to take this group and this group mm-hmm. he was talking like from his back oh yeah and with someone on his back and all kinds of stuff that like blew my mind cuz it was just another m- reminder of what you don't know kind of thing well i like i like hitting a nice loop choke off my back as well those are fun to hit loop choke yep. off of your back yep. oh yeah yeah okay i follow you there you like you know you do a loop choke do a loop choke <laughs> Well, so, and when Zach asked me that, he's like, what do you want to be good at when you're a black belt? Which is sort of a giggly question. You know, it's a good question from like his perspective, but as the receiver of that question, you're like, <clears throat> what? <laughs> you know, but I said, I want to be well, good. Well, like, what do you like when you're, when you're doing jujitsu? Like, what do you? No, hold on. This is before I knew what jujitsu, doing jujitsu meant. Okay. I, I only hesitate to insinuate that I know what it means now. Right. Because, I mean, this is like three-stripe white belt only because I showed up six days a week at two different gyms and said, screw it, right? But my my personal answer was, and this is going Well, that's what jiu-jitsu is, is showing up. I mean... That's what everything is, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> to some extent. But, like, my, my answer, my instinctual answer was, well, I want to be good at teaching it. Yeah. Okay. Going back to what you were saying, yep. like, you know, now that especially now that you're a black belt, you you feel like that's kind of is that kind of like your goal ultimately? You think it's not necessarily my goal with anything, but it's where I go with everything. Because you like have a team of like powerlifters and yeah, stuff taught, like that. Yep. I've taught. I got into lifting, so I taught other people lifting. Got into strongman, taught other people strongman. Got into shot put, then I taught other. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, it's like my instinct to then want to go and share it with somebody else. You think that's part of your. You're, or is it exclusively, I guess this is what I want to say, is it exclusively the promotion to black belt that made you kind of go, hmm, I kind of would like to teach this stuff, or do you think that was in there all along? Um, I've had, like, I've had this fantasy since, like, pr- around Purple Belt, like, where, like, eventually, like, I would love to, like, have my own gym someday. What's it called? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Got to get the Instagram set up now. I know. I got to start building that brand. Mm-hmm. No, I don't have a name yet. First, I got to learn how to teach it. Um, but that would obviously, like, so- somewhere down the line, like, if I if I could just kind of like what Ishmael did for himself, like, if I could just have like teaching jujitsu and having a gym be like what I do, like that would be that would be amazing. I think. And obviously, I've had that thought since like mid purple belt. I would say I started thinking about that. But it might be like kind of like a like a like kind of how you said that midwestern kind of like humbleness about me is like I, I don't want to be like the guy that's like oh I know so much I can go teach people like I've always been kind of like quieter about it I think so and the black belt then validates that feeling and now you're willing to say it out loud yes yeah. yes no <laughs> no but honestly yeah I mean like the I think what the, just getting the black belt is like okay now because I always say like black belt is just starting all over on a new journey so it's like almost like okay well, like now that I have my black belts like I'm not so focused on like rank 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 not that i was focused on that like getting that next rank but 
just like kind of like that leader mentality. Like I would like to be able to give back now that I have a black belt and like be able to help other people get mm-hmm. their black belts and things like that, I guess. The promotions to my understanding, which is limited again at the black belt level is that like, it's, it's hinged. Okay. On years, but literally you can't go home and just sit around for three years and then come back and get a stripe. Like it's, yeah. have you been training? Have you been contributing? Exactly. You, you know, help to set the tone of the room or whatever. Yeah. And I don't think like, I think like there's like, the formality of like, okay, you like, I think IBJJF or whoever they say like, you know, you have to be this belt for X amount of years before you can get this belt. But I don't, that's not always the case. Like it's not like necessarily just about like time you're putting in because I mean, I was a blue belt for over three years. Like it wasn't like, and I trained like, um, like every, you know, four or five days a week at that time. So I think it's like, sometimes like your whoever your professor is, like they, they promote everyone differently. I think like they have like different visions for like what everyone is doing with the, like their, their jujitsu journey. So well, like and one would hope like if it was, if it was just, all right, every two and a half years, yeah. get, then it, it would be mechanical and pointless. Yeah, it would be, be a McDojo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they're legitimately yeah. watching you and watching your progression, it's yeah. not going to be this nice linear thing. Of no, level. no, There's far from it. Some long yeah. leveled off plateaus. Yeah. But no, when I, like when I was a blue belt, like, I, was, I still had that mindset. It was like, I just wanted to get promoted and stuff like that. And I saw like, maybe that was why I got held at blue belt so long, but I saw like other people like getting promoted ahead of me that had like been promoted to blue belt at the same time and things like that. So like, that's kind of like where I started to learn like, Oh, maybe, maybe there is a difference between like what your professor thinks, what you should be doing or what the journey they see that you're on and things like that. So don't worry about the belt just show up and do your best. <laughs> I'm not trying to diminish a promotion because getting a belt promotion is a very exciting experience absolutely yeah Yeah. Yeah, absolutely like me personally like if i if i were to hopefully have my own gym someday like i wouldn't want to just promote people just to promote them like imagine like being a jiu-jitsu school and you just have a bunch of shitty purple belts or something like and like some other like blue belt comes in and just walks through all your purple belts or something like that or every time somebody goes on vacation and stops at the gym yeah where they went they just get smoked yeah just realize this isn't good yeah which, I mean, can certainly be the case. I mean, if you get a world champion blue belt in your gym, they're going to probably give your brown, your average brown belt a very hard time. Like, Who was that MMA fighter? Uh, real high-level dude. Just a few weeks ago, they got promoted to purple belt. But, like, there was a picture of him training jiu-jitsu with oh, the uh, coach. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I texted in, like, a... a group of jiu-jitsu folks that paulie and i are in i'm like i screenshotted the photo and i'm like hey i'm the same level fighter as, <laughs> as <I'm not> <laughs> just ridiculous you know yeah i mean like it, it, any like belt color can mean a wide variety of things right like right having it be you know a google task reminder right that such and such persons do is not the way yeah. to go, it seems like that's what that's what makes makes jujitsu a lot cooler than other martial arts too. I feel like because like taekwondo or something along those lines, like you you show up and you do a certain sequence of moves, and they're like, all right, here's your here's your next belt. Or it's like punching the air. Yeah, <laughs> you've memorized this sequence of moves the best. Here's your here's your new belt. Or jujitsu is like it's actually tried and proven, and like you're putting your time in. You know. Well, no, and, and everybody's putting the time in, but you're it's hard to spar yes that's a standalone sentence that works pretty well but it's, it's hard to <laughs> spar strikes on a daily basis sort of 
testing your ability to do it and your ability to take it and defend it and not like kill yourself. Oh yeah. Your, your body like will not last <laughs> grappling, particularly the grappling where most people sit down to start it. I mean, it just like functionally is, is a much like better way to survive it and end up with a much sharper blade. Yeah, you can't I agree. You can't spar striking arts the way that you spar grappling particularly jujitsu like wrestling probably get real old real quick i mean you can but like your 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 window will be extremely closing very quickly you were the best in the world for about seven eight <laughs> months buddy and then you oh, so kind of like circling back to like yes i think we're a conversation originally what is like aside from like teaching like when you're actually like rolling like what? Where do you like to like get to, or like where? Where, where do you like your starting point to I be? I would like you to guess what I, as a three hundred pound guy, like what position I like. To Side control. Up. It's probably a close second. Okay. Uh, do are you a close guard guy then, or half guard? Mount. Okay, mount. That mount life. What about like your your guard game though? Like where do you like to be? Like to, as like a reset. Mount. <laughs> the answer is mount. I don't actually know. I'm not comfortable with anything closed. I'm not comfortable. Honestly, um, what did you say? Like half guard with like a knee? Knee shield. Like the knee shield half. Because there's different variations of half guard, but I like the knee shield. Yeah. When you said that, I I remember internally thinking, huh, like that's, that's, if I had a comfort, I would, I would hesitate to use that word. If I personally had a comfort zone in terms of guards, it would be something like that. Like give me a leg and then let me have some space. To, it's mostly just because I'm slow to think of stuff, you know. Give me a right. second here. Well, then you should you should focus on that a lot, then too, at the same time, because like focus on what? Like when you are rolling in the gym, like go to your back right away and play your knee shield game, and like when you're doing like different moves, like always like always like transition back to like your knee shield game. Like if you try to get back to yeah. where you want, because like a lot of the stuff that I do, like it's like. Obviously, like, I like to attack and, like, try to sweep and submit and do all that stuff. But, like, sometimes, like, I'm just working to get back to, like, that reset point of, like, my knee shield. And then I start working, like, building up from there, essentially. If that makes sense. So you've got a string of things you're doing to get back to where you want to be and then a string of things you would do once you get there. Yes. So it's like, okay, I'm in kind of this uncomfortable position now. So it's kind of, like, time to, like, backtrack a little bit and get back to, like, that knee shield position. But then once I get there, I start, like, working up, up the ladder again to try to do something. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. There's a string of negative numbers and then a string yep. of positive numbers. And zero is your your half guard with a shield. Yes. Or something close. So do that. <laughs> That's good coaching there. Do you own your own gym? <laughs> yeah. What what I what I tend to... I don't know if, if I'm actually drawn to this or if I'm just so lazy. I don't dislike... I don't want to say I like, but I I personally don't dislike being at really disadvantageous positions. Like having my back taken with both hooks in and I'm just fighting to to not let you officially put the lights out. Well, that's a good way to train. It's like, you know, sometimes like obviously you want to like switch up, but like yeah, you want to be comfortable with some like you don't I mean, I don't, I don't know comfortable is the right word, but like I think it you is. need to know how to have someone on your back and be able to fight from there for yeah, sure. I think it is. Yeah. Somebody literally grabs you and you're in the most disadvantageous, unexpected position possible, let's say in the streets, yep. right? If you have some level of calmness because you're like, no, I got your fingers here yeah. and nothing's going to happen. It's all good. You're safer. Yeah. I mean, like once you get to purple belt, like you should have any level of calmness against 
someone in the street for sure in the situation yeah, yeah, like sure, that. I follow you. Yeah, yeah. And that's not going to happen, so it's all hypothetical. But um, You're not going to go out and start a bunch of bar fights? Not anymore, no. You have to do that before you get a purple belt. Do I have to register my Hennepin County? Because <laughs> Hennepin County is moving slow these days. I gotta that's what I've heard. They're not getting through those permits very quickly. Do you lift weights? I do. Do you work out, I guess is what I want to say. Yep. Um, I do yoga almost daily. I really enjoy it. Um, it, it helps so much with like the aches and pains for sure. Because obviously like jujitsu, a lot of what you're doing is like you're really tight and condensed and stuff. So like I've noticed it helps like with a lot of lower back pain and things like that. Um, and I try to lift once or twice a week. I don't No, I just, I, I want to keep my back strong, obviously. Like yeah. that's where my spine is. So I'd like to take care of it. And it's another thing that yoga helps with a lot too, I think. You do that at home or do you do it somewhere? Yoga? Yeah. I just do it. I do like, I, I just pull up videos right now. Yeah. Like just YouTube. And I have, I have like, Absolutely. I, I have like seven core videos that I have in my favorites that I do. And like, I just kind of alternate between them. And mm-hmm. like, they're usually like 20 to 30 minute sessions. I'm not doing like hour long, you know, vinyasa flows or anything like that, but you don't need that in your life. Yeah. I, I can do like hour long classes if I go somewhere and do a class. But like, if I'm just by myself in my bedroom, I just don't have the attention span to yeah. do so an hour long. Do I have cream cheese? Yeah. <laughs> I got bagels. Do I have cream cheese? Just go yeah, warm up that just... taco meat. That sounds pretty good right now. <laughs> I just made tacos today, so that's why. <laughs> Makes sense. Now I'm going to go get tacos. Yeah. American gringo tacos, meat, oh, yeah. cheese, tortilla. That's it. I put salsa on there. Oh. A little bit of hot sauce. Which kind? What the hell is it called? It's in like a... Tapatio? Yep. Yes, is that is yeah, it. Yes. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, I stumbled on that at Urban Growler. They put it on their, their breakfast burger, and I was like, I'm not a hot spicy kind of guy you know wheat bread spicy i'm norwegian you know what i'm saying but i was like this actually adds some Top flavor deal. to yep. it yeah i don't know how i discovered that actually oh speaking of like internet um the internet? themes mm-hmm. is it is it cool to hate on surly these days is that the new thing it probably, I, like, it probably was once they made it big because I saw like I saw like some comments thread, and I saw it a few times where like people were like, "Oh, Surly's not even that good." Like, it's there's so many better IPAs out there. Blah blah blah. It's there like, are the, the way I would phrase it is there are other awesome IPAs, and Surly does a pretty damn good job overall too. Yeah, I I do like a good uh, size seven. That's like my that's You're my right. second. You're right. They do good stuff yeah. overall, and I love going to their brewery. Like, mm-hmm. it's a good spot, good location. It's close, close to, the, to gym. the gym. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Their patio's open right now. Yeah, that's actually one of the few breweries I've been to since the like the lockdown of things because they had a really good patio system yeah. set up. Yep, Ethan and I went there like two Sundays ago, I think. Froze our asses off, but yeah. we drank our beers, goddammit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is he a beer guy, Ethan? Ethan Bauman? Yep. Yeah, he's a beer guy. He's a he's been in the Irish whiskey lately. Mm-hmm. Um but he's usually he's he's a big captain diet guy too. I think I think Irish whiskey is pretty smooth. I like it. It's definitely smooth. It's not something I like. I I I, yeah. I don't go out and buy it or anything like that. But if someone offers me a glass or something, I'll sip on it. Um, you know who has has good taste in bourbons? Ishmael. Well, yeah. Yeah, that guy. That guy knows how to buy some bourbons. I would assume. Yeah. 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 I like to I like to send him Snapchats of like my the brandy that I drink when I when I'm <laughs> drinking my my Christian Brothers or ENJ. <laughs> It's like, what is that, water? <laughs> <laughs> I my impression of, of 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 brandy is that like, yeah, Christian Brothers and E and J 
no, like no, really, no matter what you pay for brandy, for the most part, brandy's brandy to some regard. Like, That's why, like I told you, like when you asked me what I like to drink, I'm just like cheap brandy, man. Don't sure don't go over the top. Like cheap whiskey, you're gonna know. You'll know. <laughs> yeah. Is that idea of starting your own gym and teaching jujitsu kind of like hypothetical? This tiny little thought in the back of my brain, or if I said, "Hey, where's it gonna be? What's it gonna be like?" Um, I wouldn't say like. It's not hypothetical, but it's it's something that like I, I for sure want to do in my lifetime. Like, but I I just don't have that type of vision for it yet. Like, where like obviously I would never like I would never open a gym in St. Louis Park or something along those lines. Sure, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I do I definitely do like like the vibe that Ishmael has going in M Theory, just like like, like the style of it and. Just the way he has everything set up, just a big open mat space, and everything's really bright, and it's really like like going in there on a sunny day. It's just awesome being in there, you know. Um. So in that sense, like I, I would want it be, to be something where like people show up and they're just in a good mood to be there. And um. But yeah, that's I I don't have. I guess maybe I should start getting putting more thought into it and thinking about my vision, you know. Yeah, you're welcome. There you go. You're, trying, <laughs> you're forced to inspire on it a little bit. Um, what uh, I don't I don't remember you again. I'm I'm on the other end of this in terms of learning it. I don't remember you teaching classes or anything. Have you ever done that? I have not. Um, Is that maybe like the place to start? Kind of throw your oh hand, for sure. Throw your yeah. hand ring and yeah. cover for somebody a few times here and yeah. there and see how you like it. Yeah, that definitely be something I'd like to do. Um, when I when I was like uh when I was a purple belt I was like kind of like helping out Ishmael with the essentials class for a few weeks, but like at the same time like I was trying to do like grad school and then I was working full time and stuff like that and then I had just gotten the dog and it was just I was overextending myself too much for sure so I had to stop doing that, um, and I also quit grad school as well along the way. But I was just gonna say, what's your 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 you have a master's or you did not do it? No, I I quit because it was it was like. I just wasn't passionate about it. It's just, sure. it's way too much of an investment yes. to like keep doing yes, that kind is. of stuff. Yeah. So what, what do you, what do you do? I don't even know. What do, what's your, what like your degree uh, in your career? I have a degree in economics, um, but currently I'm, I'm a systems analyst for uh, higher education institutions. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that, you know, <laughs> you're a systems analyst for higher education. I, I work for a college in the Twin Cities. Yeah. Yeah. And you do what? Well, actually, systems. I um, so I like I I've only been in the position for like a month because I, I worked for Tar- oh, I worked for sure. Target for about eight years, um, so I'd, I'm pretty new into this position. But uh, oh, okay. right now, I'm just trying to learn all the different systems and how yeah. they interact with each other right. and things right. like that. Analyze so, the systems. Anal- system analyze systems. Analyst. Yeah, <laughs> understand them. That's a great answer. I'm a system <laughs> analyst. Well, what do you do? Well, I analyze systems. Oh, no, it's a super it's a super good job though. I was just, I got really burned out at Target. I don't know. I don't think I could ever go back to that I, corporate life. I think that's actually kind of normal for yeah. their culture. I've heard that from a few people. Yeah, I was, I was like at the end of it, like I was absolutely miserable. Yeah. So I, I, I got out fortunately, and I got new. We're for a smaller college in the Twin Cities now, and it's just, it's way better. It's so much better. It's low stress. Boss is cool. Have an I, office, which is awesome. So that's some like grown up stuff there. You got an office. I think that's actually going to be for like you know the privileged among us, including us in that. That's going to be one of like the knock-on effects of 2020 is 
a lot of people are going to realize they were sort of burnt out slash done yep. with what they were doing and they're ready to kind of move on even yep. if it is in an ugly time, you know? Yeah. Not, like when I left Target, like I had just an absolutely shitty boss. Like I got in a new position. I was all excited about it. And then it just turned out to be like a really toxic work sure. environment and things like that. And I was, mm-hmm. and then you throw on a pandemic and like working from home. So like you can't separate your home work life anymore. So I was just miserable, but I got out. It's a good yeah. learning experience. Yeah. I even texted uh, the aforementioned Claviter, and I was like, uh, yeah, the conversation with Kevin Skadsheim is today. And I think he replied something like, does he talk? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what he said. Uh, actually, the, the, I, forget, I forget the very first like, context of it, but you came up to me like right as like advanced class was starting one night, and you said something like, Something like, you know, I mean, I'm like, oh, I'm nearly blue belt or I've been around for a while or whatever. And you said something like, uh, you seem like a kind of a intimidating guy, but Marcus says you're actually pretty funny. And I said, well, a lot of people uh, think that I come across condescending. That means I talk down to you. <laughs> and then you, Such a good joke. You, yeah, you were like laughing like 10 minutes into <laughs> class afterward because I was there taking pictures and stuff. I was like, all right, we broke that ice nicely. <laughs> Because I had noticed that, yeah, you're kind of a man of few words, so it was good to kind of crack it open. No, I, I definitely have, I have a resting asshole face for sure. Like, I'm well aware of that. Resting asshole uh, face. I like that. Raph. Raph. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, though, because yeah. it's super intimidating. I mean, no one... In but I, like, I don't like being like, like... I want people to like know that like... For sure. I got you. you know, I'm, I'm Kevin. I'm a, I'm a friendly, friendly guy, you know? Kevin, like from Wonder Years. Exactly. That's a great what? fucking show, by the Is way. It? I grew up show? on that. Well, so did well, I. It's not right? my show, but yeah. I grew up on that. Like, what, What's your show? Right now or just overall? I don't care. Whatever. Um, What have I been watching lately? I, mean, I started watching a really dark show last night, actually. It's called Your Honor. Your Honor. Yeah. Brian Cranston, he's like a judge, and it's like his kid like accidentally kills like this guy in a car accident. It's like this mafia guy's son. So he's the trying to protect him. TV show or movie? TV show. Okay. It's, on, it's a so show it's a series. Yep. Oh, it's so super time, good. Right? It's like, okay. I've watched like three episodes and it's like, it's dark as fuck. I feel like if you, if you got Brian Cranston, it's, yeah. it's going to be good yep. at this point. Right. Like yep. he's not going to miss other than like maybe a cameo in King Kong or something. <laughs> Was he a cameo in King Kong? Wasn't didn't he have a really obscure like that crappy <laughs> King Kong? I'm like a horror uh, 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 purist, so then you see these like modern incarnations, like ultra Hollywood versions of the monster movies, and you just shake your. You're head. a horror but, guy. Yeah, but I think he was. What's your favorite horror? That's a big question. There's a lot of genres there. Mm, let's I go think with gore. Far and away, my my absolute favorite horror, favorite horror movie is Shaun of the Dead. Okay. And I realize I just named a comedy, but it's like, <laughs> I'm a big, big Rob Zombie guy in terms of his movies. Now, okay. A lot of people will eschew that. He's trailed bit. off at the end, I feel like. Like, he started strong in the horror movie, but, like, the newer his movies got, I think, like, the lower quality they got. Like, Host of a Thousand Corpses was amazing. Yes. Devil's Rejects was amazing. His best. Um, But, like, what the, f- like, I watched one recently where, like, these, like, people get stuck in, like, this Ec- warehouse building. Uh, what the uh, hell was that I can't called? think of it. Well, so what you run you run into a combination, I think, of two things. One is 
you get bigger and better Hollywood budgets. They're cleaner, yes. they're prettier movies. Yeah. Well, that's not his movie. So now yeah. he's trying to make like the raw 70s, yeah. like gory sort of red dust in the air movie, but he's doing it in a really pretty manner. I like this the, Halloween remake. That I, was very I, good. Yeah, that makes like two of us yeah. on the planet, I think, actually. <laughs> yeah, and, and the other thing is like, you can't really, I mean... A couple crazy guys killing everybody else. How many versions yeah. of that can you do? Yeah. You know, and it isn't really like a testament to his. It's just like knock it off. There's a little yeah. bit of that element, you know. But I like digging into the like the way back classics, like the Cabinet of Doctor Kalingart and the and uh, Nosferatu. That's like both okay. of the, both of those okay. are like so silent yeah. film era stuff. But I mean, any of the big time classics like The Shining and Poltergeist and The Exorcist, hey, I'm in, you know. Yep. I think actually in the last like five to ten years, some of the all time classics have come out. Hereditary. Hereditary, The Witch. Midsummer. Did you see that one? I'm down with Midsummer. I don't put it that high up on the list, but I like that we watched it again re- or we started watching it again recently. Oh, uh, Florence. What's her last name? Pugue? Pew? Oops. You lost me. Whatever. Skedshine? Like- Skedshine? <laughs> I, I don't know names. Oh, she is beautiful. D- Dorkson and I, we are like. We both always talk about her and follow her on Instagram. I, I'm kind of upset with how often Randy and I just, or I'm sorry, Randy and I agree on things. Oh, he's a son of a bitch like that. He really. You're like, man, this guy also. He really you're knows right, something. dude. You know, I <laughs> yeah. agree. Also, this guy. What in the world? But like um, Conjuring, and I think Conjuring 2 is even better than Conjuring 1. You know what I mean? Like, they're, you're the the. There are more terrible horror movies coming out now than ever, but when they hit it, boy, do they hit it. Yeah. Now, they, they just like anything, like The Conjuring has turned into this big extended branching out franchise thing, like The Nun related and all that stuff, but like the core movies are some of the See, best. See, I don't, I don't really made. like, aside, I mean, like Hereditary, obviously, was super creepy, but like the supernatural, like, doesn't really. Like paranormal activity and stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't. See, I dug that, that whole series, but I also dug the whole Saw series within reason. You kind of, it, tra- it trailed off to you. You like you like the, the like the the gore porn type stuff. I'm in, man. Whatever you want. Hostel. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Hostel. I love those movies. Dude. I saw that in a theater with a buddy of mine out in Fargo back in the day, and I don't I don't remember this moment, but I remember he said afterward that. Like the eye scene where they're snipping the eye that had popped out or whatever. <laughs> that yellow shit starts oozing yeah. out. So he said he looked over at me during that scene and I was just smiling, like with wide eyes <laughs> smiling, like, look at that. <laughs> that that either that one or another one is also like the last time with you know, with my, my ex wife back in the day it was the last time You've I been got, married? Yeah. Oh. It's the last time I got to pick the movie okay. so to speak with her. <laughs> my girlfriend Wendy, but you know, uh, on the same page like we basically agree on all the top 25 classic horrors so it's a okay. much, much more amenable situation what's your favorite movie of all time like what's one movie you can just watch on repeat and like you'd never get sick of it i got a handful of those give me i can recite full give me metal one of your jacket. top five. i can recite full metal jacket for you oh that's a great movie yeah big oliver stone guy apocalypse now is a killer one full metal jacket's not oliver stone really Hit oh it. no Hit no, it, no don't tell me I already know. Who's the guy that did Clockwork Orange? Yeah, Stanley guy. Kubrick. There yes. You go. Yeah. Sorry. Oof. All right. Oof. Wipe the sweat <laughs> off the brow. I thought we were gonna have to end this. You know. <laughs> I get I get I get confused with uh, Platoon. That's what happened. That was that what it was. Because <laughs> Platoon is Oliver Stone, right? I honestly don't even know that. Yeah, one. Platoon is Oliver Stone. Yeah. Yeah. I think okay. 
with I Keanu. Didn't. <laughs> yeah, I dude. Didn't. Is it good? It's a good uh it's a good erotic thriller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't I, <laughs> I don't I don't know with, with, like with Eli Roth would I name an Eli Roth movie that I liked Hostel I mean Cabin Fever it's fun Hostel's fun but like if we're it, maybe it's two different lists but if we're talking like great movies great yeah, horror yeah. movies like <clears throat> not even close you know he was also wasn't he involved in the the Death Proof or those grindhouse movies. What he was, was uh, he was, was an actor in Inglorious Bastards. Yes, he was. He was a base with uh, the baseball yeah. bat guy. Yeah, so good. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he's good for like the gore porn, torture porn type movies, but I don't, I can't like like you said, I can't think of like something great he's done really. Yeah, and like if I were to list the top twenty five greatest horror movies in my opinion of all time, I would maybe forget the Rob Zombie stuff, but they're my personal favorites. Yeah. No, I you thought know. like I remember when House of a Thousand Corpses came out. Like I think the only place in Minnesota that was viewing it was Mall of America theaters, and I remember like I lived in Pine City at the time. I was in high school, and me and my buddies drove down there just to watch it. It's like two thousand one, probably yeah. or something. No, it was. I think it was two thousand three because we 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 had to be eighteen to get in, or seventeen or whatever because it was R rated movie. Oh. Hmm. Paulie, can you look that up for us? Yeah, young Paulie. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I liked uh, Devil's Rejects better. That was more relatable. Like, and not, I don't want to say relatable. Yeah, relatable is like, definitely the wrong word. <laughs> I want to... 03? House of a Thousand like Corpses that. was 03? So I saw Devil's Rejects in college. That's weird. I associate it with sitting at you know, home in high school. Devil's Rejects, I don't want to say relatable, but, but it was more like realistic in a sense of like something that could happen to you yeah, in real life. It was like serial killers yeah. rather than like there's a devil person. Yeah, there's there, like, sure. yeah yep, yep. And that's the cool thing about his style is that he ran the same characters across similar plot lines but had these huge yeah. variants that made him different movies. And what was the th- what was the trequel to that? Three from Hell? Did you see Quite, that one? It was recent, like last year or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I, I got to watch that one. It's so. fun just yeah. because you liked the first two, yeah. but we're not going to talk greatness at all. You know? <laughs> the one that I referenced with Marcus last week was the um, the Greasy Strangler. Which I, I sort of tongue-in-cheek say is the greatest movie ever made. And it's a great one to bring up on jujitsu centered conversations because it's called The Greasy Strangler. Um, but it is redonkulous. A redonkulous movie. Is that a Rob Zombie movie? No. Oh. But it's, it's just a completely ridiculous premise. And it's ridiculous in its seriousness, the whole thing. It's fantastic. Like, how old is it? Uh, three, four years. Oh, really? Like I'm going to yeah. check that one out tonight. <laughs> It's my favorite. It's far and away my favorite movie. Oh, to, did you see that to like, recommend to super gory one that was on Netflix like two years ago? It's got like the clown that's like hunting these like two women. Terrifier. Yes. Did you watch so that good. one? Honestly, that one I, I would I would put on on some version of greatest of all time list. Like it's the certainly scene where he cuts the chicken half. Yeah, it's certainly it's so like bad. second best clown scary yeah. movie of all time. Like you don't want to you don't want to set it aside, but I mean. It is really good. It's the, the Terrifier. Have you seen Bone Tomahawk? Yeah, it's fantastic. That was great. I love that you love dark stuff. <laughs> it's fantastic. 
because usually so here's the day maybe you've experienced this but like like i'm a personal trainer by trade right so i essentially my job is to hang out and talk with people while they're doing something that i'm making them doing and it's largely just regular people right so this kind of topic comes up and you end up talking about movies and i'm a huge movie buff i've always been in movies who isn't like it's weird when someone's like i don't really watch a lot of movies i like like, i prefer the book yeah the, the movie was better. Here. You know what was good about the movie? I didn't have to read it for seven hours. That was what was good about the movie. But anytime I say, "Yeah, we're you know we're big horror movie buffs," so we went out and saw you know Midsummer, the new yeah. horror release or whatever, you get this look from people like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I'm not really into that." And every time I'm like, "Good, honestly, like that's yeah. a normal psyche. You're like, you reasonably suck. healthy." And also, yeah, I don't want to talk to you anymore. You know? I I think I got to watch Midsummer a whole second time through. Oh, you got to set aside some time for that bad boy. Well, yeah, for sure. I we think it's almost three hours. I think we saw it in the theater, but I, I get so picky and like snobbish and hipster douchebag about stuff, and I think I kind of did a little bit about that one. Oh, okay. I got you. But there, it's like uh, you, you get on YouTube and you watch these like Watch Mojo and, and Cinefix and whatever. Yeah, more? I'll take another. And like you, you see these lists of, of you know the top ten like Easter eggs from this movie and that movie or whatever. And all these like top 10 lists about movies and culture and stuff. And that one, there's so much symbolism hidden like in the background and on the paintings on the wall and stuff. Like if, so like you, you get online and you look up the symbols of, of uh, Midsummer and like read through them or watch a video about it. Cause <laughs> reading what? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and watch it again. You'll be like, Holy crap, man, you could figure this movie out long before the end of it. You know, there's, well, there's- so much symbolism. There's not that kind of like. Have you? There's a documentary that talks about like uh, Stanley Kubrick and like The Shining. The Shining, yeah. It's um, like three and a half hours long. Yeah, I can't remember what the documentary is called, but it's like really cool. It's Room Two Thirty Seven. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a great documentary. Wackiest theories, and then a good number of them where you're like, huh, wow, okay, (laughs) that seems really true, actually, you know. Because that movie is super layered with stuff, yeah, like symbolism and ideas that was like one of that was one of those, the Shining was one of those movies I saw when I was a little kid and like I should not have watched it at that age like because it just terrified the hell out of me. That's well, I, I was assuming you're going to say something like that because you yeah. like horror movies yeah. now and anybody I know that likes horror movies now stumbled upon when they were yeah. a kid and Thanks, dude. they've been damaged ever since. Yeah. You know what that I mean? and uh, Candyman, I saw Candyman when I was like eight years old, and like. <laughs> That's a that's a to this day that's a terrifying movie. I feel yeah, like because you saw it when you were eight yes. Years old. For the rest of it's it, it's basically a comedy, but for you it's tied to childhood yes. trauma. Yes, you know, like it's true. It's like a love. It's like a what would that be a masochist type love for it? Sounds right. I don't know. <laughs> so what, what what we gotta ask you is, in terms of like jujitsu game. Mm-hmm. Do you favor being something of a jack of all trades or having like a specific, maybe even a couple of key positions, moves, string together things? I prefer my game for sure. Like I don't like your game. Yeah. Like I don't like. So that's reasonably specific to a handful of things that you feel like you've mastered. Yeah. Like if, if someone like if someone were to come up to me and ask me about like Baron Bola or something along those lines, I'd be like, I don't know what to fucking tell you here. Like and I go, go you watch a YouTube it. video. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I have like, and I think that's the thing about like, I don't want to say a lot of black belts, but like as a black belt, it it's, you, I mean, you've obviously put your time in, but you're like, you're, you're kind of specialized in your game. 
and like you've kind of developed like an expert. Well, don't, the, don't, don't like take these words like literally, like I'm not, when I say expert and things like that, but like you, you've developed your game to like, kind of like a, I don't know how to say this. You specialized in yeah. a few things yeah. that you yes. are just, just like, like, I could, you I are could, expert at. I could like, once I get good at teaching, like I could teach you how I do the things I like to do very well. Like okay. I like, but like okay. I, I can never teach you about like, like I said, like Baron Bolo or, you know, well, single like, leg X or like it's the type of things that like Marcus does. Like I could never be a guy to teach you about those things. Sure. But like, if you want to learn about like half guard, knee shield, things like that, like I could like, I could walk you through my game very well. Well, let me pull that back meta a little bit just because I've, I've developed myself in certain physical endeavors and then I've gone on to teach other people those things. You could teach me something about Barambolo or Single Leg X because I know zilch about Barambolo or Single Leg X. But you're, what you're saying is you don't feel like you could lead me to a seemingly expert level of understanding. Yeah, I could. But you, I could, could you could teach a blue belt, someone who's never seen it, how to do it in like a general sense. Yep. But you, you, you maybe wouldn't be the go-to guy to like bring that game to a high level because yes. you personally haven't done it. It's not that. something I practice, you know, yeah. like okay. I could, I could show you like what, like how to get into single leg X and like what that position looks like. But there's like, I could not elaborate on like the details on how to do things. that game. Yep. Hold on. Yep. Yeah. So, as a recommendation, though, let's say like a reasonably fresh purple belt asks you, should I be something of a generalist, a jack of all trades? Let me, now, let me, let me run with this question. Should I be a generalist or a jack of all trades or have something of a couple of specialties? And or is it sort of inevitable to go one way or the other? I would always, I think me personally, I would always tell, Then obviously there might be disagreements on this, but I would always tell someone to like, just really become an expert on the things that you like to do in jujitsu. Like, I think I could like watch like a lot of like lower belts and be like, look at how they roll. And I'd be like, Oh, you should like really try to like develop on this, work on this, etc. Just like based on like how they, how, what they, what they seem to be doing a lot of, or like what they're going towards. I feel like, um, I, I don't think, I think the whole Jack of all trades things, like you shouldn't be doing that until you're a black belt probably. It's such a, a big pool yes. and a deep pool. Yeah. You kind of almost have to find a few areas of specialization. Yeah. I think like as you're developing through like the belt ranks and things like that, like you just become really good at the things that you like to do basically. And then once you get your black belt, kind of like start to like explore those different areas and learn different, like learn more about like those different types of like guard plays or like guard passing, et cetera. But that's just my opinion. That's what I asked for. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to qualify. Yeah, yeah. Of course somebody will disagree. If somebody didn't, then I'd be worried. Yeah. <laughs> but like kind of like how I mentioned earlier though, like like now that I have my black belt, like I'm trying to like learn more about like how to like teach different things and like explain how I'm doing different things and things like that. And I think obviously as I progress through my black belt, like I'll obviously I'll try to learn more about you know, single leg X or, you know, barren bowls or things like that so that I can teach those somewhere down the line. Do, do you feel a little bit of a pressure? Like I'm a black belt in jujitsu. I should have a better understanding of this or that or whatever. Not necessarily. I feel like 
the pressure is like I have a black belt, so I should be able to explain like how I play my half guard game a little better and things like that. But like I would never yeah, be nice. like, oh, I have my black belt now. Why don't I know how to do single leg X? Like, I think that's a little unreasonable. I like that answer a lot. Like people still pull me aside and they'll be like. Like I've gotten done rolling with people and like someone has like asked me like, Oh, like I went for like this guard pass and it didn't work on you. Why didn't, why didn't it work? And I'm just like, it's like, I don't know, like experience, like, like sometimes it's like, it's just experience. Like, like there, there's watch, some things like, the role. well, like there's some things too. Like it's not always going to be like this flowy art thing. Like why didn't, you know, I, I followed these rules. Why didn't it work? It's yeah. like, there is still a fight aspect to it to where like maybe that person was just more aggressive than you in that certain situation and things like that. So like there's going to be times when, you know, you'll, you'll do the technique exactly as you learned it and you think you have the timing, I'll figure it out. But the person you're doing it against this might be more aggressive in that specific instance. What is your sporting background previous to jujitsu? Um, so like I did Taekwondo as like a really little kid, which I'm, we're not going to call it that, but you know, I was learning how to use my body at a really young, young age. What really little kid. What do you mean? Like what age? Like kindergarten, like that type of age. Yeah. Um, didn't, I mean, aside from like, like doing like flag football and like playing at recess throughout elementary school, I didn't do much, but then, um, in terms junior, of like formalized yeah. sports and coaching and stuff, junior high, high school. Um, I played football throughout high school. I did tennis one year. I did basketball through junior high and then I did track like for like basically ninth grade through senior year. So you did a wide variety of things yeah. through the most uh formidable motor learning development years yeah, of your I, life. Yeah, I always I loved football. I wasn't great at it. I I mean I played, but I wasn't like a standout athlete or anything like that. I was, I always just liked like doing things with my body. Basically. Like I liked being an athlete. I wasn't like good at a lot of things. I mean, I was fast in track. Like I did good at track, I guess. Um, and then after high school, I got into powerlifting a little bit and like, I always really enjoyed like lifting weights. So I got, I did a lot of that after high school. And then that's basically when I discovered martial arts was weights don't fight back that's they a nice do not thing. Just, that's you just plug it up and put it down i learned that very well in my first time i i tried rolling with someone yeah you're like i'm strong this will be all right yep and classic kind yep. of thing. i'm an athlete i can do this do you remember the first time you rolled with somebody yeah like, I almost, specifically I, I threw up afterwards oh yeah yeah did you make it to the to the bin so i was at, it was actually a really weird situation so like this I, it was in like near my hometown and like I was like that wrestler I told you that like got me introduced to like martial arts and stuff. Yeah. Um, he was like helping coach like this high school kid and we went to their place and they had like um, wrestling mats out in their, their, their like shed or barn, whatever you want to call it. Which could bring us back to the horror movie conversation depending. (laughs) But then like I, I did that and like, I think I rolled with my friend for like two minutes, like for like, or whatever wrestling matches. Three, three two-minute rounds in high school? Something like that. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but, like, I remember, like, right after the one round, I, like, went outside and I had to puke. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm sure, like, I had that adrenaline aspect going For and then, like, sure. doing something completely foreign that my body's not used to. And, and you're thinking this is a fight. Yeah. Exactly. That's, the, that's that, like, by, like you said earlier, by the time you're a purple belt, any sort of a, any sort of a fight should actually have some, 
some composure on your yes. part as part of the training, right? Yep. No, is it, it's like, I don't think like I've ever been as confident as an athlete as I was until I started doing jujitsu. Like even like playing sports throughout high school and things like that. Like I liked doing it, but I was, I never like, there was never like a point in my head. I think when I was doing it, like where I was like, Oh, I'm going to be awesome at this. At jujitsu or those other sports? No, like when I was playing like sports in high school, like okay. it was always like, Oh, I'm going to do this. And like, I like doing it, but I'm like, I never wanted to be like, Oh, I'm going to excel at this when I do it. Yeah. Like, you had that thought early on with the jiu-jitsu, though. Jiu-jitsu. With jiu-jitsu. jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Don't say it like that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. But you, you did have that thought. With, I think, like, with what, like, I mean, like, I'm not like, oh, I know I'm a black belt now, but I'm like, there are guys out there that would absolutely murder me. Like, but, again, but like, I dropped like, the Midwest modesty stuff. Yeah. Like, at some point, you were like, hmm, I'm going to get the hang of this. Yeah, exactly. Like, I like, I like knowing that, like, I can confidently walk into, like, a training room and be like, okay, like, I'm not going to just get my ass kicked here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which, in certain training rooms, I absolutely would. If I were to go to Atos or, like, something like that, like, those guys would I, probably just eat me it's alive. It's the same but, thing I say with my power lifters, though. Like, if you pick the top ten in the world, yeah. we're all terrible. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you expand out the metric to include other people mm-hmm. who are just damn good at the thing, mm-hmm. eh, it might be all right, you know. That's not a fair Yeah, it's not a fair no, framing, a good point. you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like, I might be really good at basketball, but next to LeBron, I'm a hack, yep, you know yep, what I mean? Yep. I'm not, for the record, but, like, you know, no matter how good I thought <laughs> so you I you look was, like you would be a really good basketball player, though. That's what's confusing. I'm all fast twitch, man. I can move fast <laughs> when I want to. I'm just afraid to move fast and hurt somebody because I'm also heavy, for the record. For the record. So when I was talking to Pauly about it, he was talking about how he kind of, what I described as, like, a blue-collar jiu-jitsu, which was sort of the same way he played hockey and soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of not nothing terribly fancy, nothing that's like high right, real wor- highlight, real worthy, but a lot of good fundamental application of stuff. And he sees that same parallel in his jujitsu. Do you feel anything like that relative to the other sports and endeavors you had? Mm. I mean, me personally, I feel like kind of, I was saying earlier, like I didn't like have like a lot of confidence when I played like sports growing up to where I feel like yeah. I have much more confidence now and like how I do jujitsu and things like that. So it's a little different for me, but I think that, that like, it all depends on the individual. Like when well, it comes you, to stuff you, like this. Okay. So how long, how long did you, what was the longest you played any other sport relative to the length of time you've been involved in jujitsu? Um, so I played, I mean, I played football seventh grade through 12th grade. Okay. So, actually. So a fair, a fair amount of time. Was that six years? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So it's, and it's I've been comparable doing jujitsu for nine years almost now. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so it's a fair comparison. Yeah. But I, I feel like, like you can always evolve on things. I mean, for sure. Like, yes, you, I think like one of the, one of the worst things like a person can do is like just stick with one mindset forever and how they do one thing. And I'm not saying like the way you, you approach jujitsu is anything like that, but I, I don't, I don't think just because like you, like I did something like from seventh grade to 12th grade and like how I viewed like sports and football, like I would hate if I had done that, like with how I view jujitsu now, I guess. If you came at it with the same mindset. Yes. The same Cause I, I feel like I just, I wouldn't like, I'd just be like half-assing it. Cause like, I can't think that's kind of how I did like high school sports. Like I, I half-assed it. Like I didn't really take them as serious as I take jujitsu and all and things like that. So why do you think? 
Um, I was just, you know, immature, had a, had a bad focus about how I was doing things in high school and things like that, but me too. Not sports, <laughs> but like, school. I wish I could go back and redo it, but maybe that's why I'm so like focused on jujitsu now too. It was sort of a self redemption mm. after the fact kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that I wonder how much plays a role is so many of the activities you are involved in growing up, even if it's an quote-unquote individual sport like i'm the only person running from the start line to the finish line and whether or not i beat these people right. on me you're still on a team you still train amongst people that's kind of a similar vibe to jujitsu but like it's different at the same time like you show up by yourself amongst a bunch of people you're not on a football team you're not on a yeah. track team necessarily your points don't contribute to their points and that contributes you know what i mean but you like, absolutely you, cannot get better at jujitsu without good teammates yeah that's Prevailing prevailing narrative of this very short lived podcast <laughs> so far is that like, yeah, your game, your success depends on who's around you. Yep. But I mean in terms of a personal narrative or like your own perception of things, if I'm on a football team, well I gotta hit that guy and if I beat that guy, maybe I hit that guy and that's about it, and hopefully everybody else does their job. Jujitsu is very much like I gotta survive this match yep. once I'm in tournament, right? Yeah, I mean, like, you you have to have like training partners that'll that'll like get you better for sure because you can't get good at jujitsu unless you have people kicking your ass every day. For sure. Um, and I don't think that's what makes it unique. At the same time, too, is I think you can get really good at like football or something like that, like by mentally just going out and getting after it. By like, you obviously have to have people that you can like chase after or whatever things like that. But you're not going to get good at jujitsu by just training it on your own. Yeah, I don't need to beat my teammates in sprints practice. Yeah. The same way I need to like quote unquote beat my teammates at jujitsu practice. Right. Or or even even other like traditional martial arts like a karate or even a taekwondo, yeah. like same kind of deal. Like they're not really like good at punching air. an opponent, right? They're getting good at board breaks and forms and techniques, yeah. but it's all sort of hypothetical. Um, which is obviously a little bit different than like football practice or track practice or whatever, but like you're literally testing the skill set daily at jiu-jitsu right yeah i mean you're doing like a live essentially a live fight every time you train jiu-jitsu sometimes whether you want to or not yeah. i thought we were drilling man. <laughs> i know maybe some days like you're in the gym and you're just you're just trying to survive and but the guy you're going against is like he's on he's on his a game that day and he just takes it to you you know that's that's what makes jiu-jitsu cool it's like some days I feel like shit and all I'm trying to do is get through the training session, but you got this guy over here who is like, you know, feeling amazing that day and he's like just ready to fucking beat the shit out of you and you have to just deal with it and get through it. <laughs> your your low points might match up with someone else's exactly. high points exactly. and vice versa. You just got to deal with and it. that's just the game, buddy, yeah. And there's no team around you, like in the, in the way we think of it in terms yeah. of like basketball and football, to sort of buffer that yeah. difference. Like nobody else is going to step up. You're just going to tap mad, to that. Go mad, go yeah, mad, go mad. Yeah, that wouldn't help me at all. I'm still tapping to that cross-collar choke. With me on mount, I would still tap to that cross-collar <laughs> choke with you chanting my name. You know, What's your injury history like? I think the, the worst one I ever dealt with is I herniated a disc in like my back. Which one? I don't even know which one it was. Like upper back, lower back? Like right between my shoulder blades. Yeah. Like lower neck type deal. 
Um, like that was just a, like a pain, like excruciating pain I that bet. I've never ever like. You can't breathe with that kind of thing. I couldn't right? sleep for two yeah, nights. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you just cannot get comfortable being alive. Yeah, and having a thoracic spine injury, being alive is gonna hurt. Yeah, that. I mean, like I never. I mean, in hindsight, I I probably should have dealt with it differently, but like that took almost like two years to like fully recover to where like I was no longer feeling like nerve issues or like pain or anything like that. How'd you get that? Um, overtraining and not paying attention to what my body was trying to tell me, basically just kind of following that mistake of like, so it wasn't like an acute thing. Like there was a moment where somebody had me in a bow and nope. arrow and I bent funny and no, nope. I mean like that's how it, like eventually that's how it happened. But like there was like sure. pain building up to that point to where like there was one point when that did happen. But, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's like one of the important things you got. You need to know, like when you're like training jujitsu all the time and stuff like that. Is like, as an athlete, you need to learn. You need to understand how to take care of your body, for sure. Like you need to train hard, but at the same time, you need to like listen to your body and what your body is saying to you. Yeah, stay um, up late, drink plenty of beer. Yep, that kind yep. of thing. Don't drink water. You know, mm-hmm. if if something if something hurts, just just you know just bury it down and keep grinding through it. More tape. Yeah, you know, yeah just exactly. Add tape to it. Yeah. But. I, but but that kind of goes like you need to find that balance of like training hard and like training through soreness, but like understanding when it's not soreness and when it's like an actual real pain. The football cur- coach, Kirch, the football coach, the football coach version is are you hurt or are you injured? Yeah. And honestly, like it's, it's okay to hurt a little here and there. You yeah. know, the guy bent my elbow the wrong way the other day and it'll hurt a little bit, but if it's injured, yeah. it's a little different. Right? Yeah. But no, that was that was probably the, one of the worst things I've dealt with in jujitsu. That's the worst sure. injury story you have. You've been doing jujitsu slash MMA for like ten, twelve years, and you had like a weird pinched nerve thing in your mid back, and that's like that's the worst. There's no blown out you're, knee. You're, There's you're, no like you're, you're turf dimin- toe. You're, you're minimalizing what uh, what an herniated disc feels like. No, 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 no. I'm I'm with <laughs> you. Like I'm with you. Like a herniated disc, but like it's, it seems to me at least atypical. I like when like I when I was experience. doing um like MMA I did fracture a cheekbone one time. Ugh, see now we're talking. Yeah. That's god awful. I had to get surgery on my hand at one point. That was due um, to a bar fight. Yes, of course it was. <laughs> How many guys? 7, 8? Not just one guy. You're not one see guy, you're yeah. missing the point here. <laughs> You gotta sell the story on the radio. One Is guy radio? every five seconds for a three-minute fight. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, for the wrist lock, <laughs> you dirty, filthy, cheating wrist locker. But I, well, honestly, I guess my my main point is that's sort of surprising. I guess that's a long time of. And I've watched you train. I've watched. Are you your trying role. to jinx me right now? No, not at all. I don't believe in any of that. <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, like to your point about like reading your body and reading different pain cues and stuff, and sort of knowing where the line is. It seems to me you've done a good job. You know. Yeah, I've had. I mean, I've had bursitis twice, which is a is a painful pain in the ass. Easy to undersell that. That's a terrible yeah, thing. Bursitis like, it doesn't sucks. It's not like broken leg where it no. sounds dramatic, but man, is it awful. Yeah. Bursitis is painful. I've had it in the, uh, both uh, each knee once, I guess. Um, what else have I dealt with? I mean, rib injuries always suck. I've dealt with rib injuries, popped rib, man. I, I, pop like way up high not only these little floaters and stuff but like way up high yeah. one that attaches to the sternum and stuff in essentials classes oh. like the week or two weeks maybe before the the covid shutdown 
it took me a oh, good timing it, 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 sort of yeah, <laughs> i mean like it forced me to just let it rest yep. for like six months i never would have done that right i'd have given it three i'm 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 really conservative with injuries but not that conservative yeah. and when we when the gym reopened i was like man this thing feels great it's shaped different now like clearly i popped a rib out of place it's out of it's place kinda, forever kind of regrown where it's at yeah but it, i mean it took like an hour and a half to get off the floor and walk out of the gym that day it was it was mad silly you know what's the what's the uh you ever inflicted injury on somebody other than that wrist lock from that match um, and i don't even mean this in like a braggadocious no sense. like like what no. unfortunately what is like um, the worst thing you've you've in a tournament or whatever Honestly, like I haven't, and aside from that wrist lock that one time, there hasn't been a lot that I've inflicted on someone. One of the worst things I've ever done to someone, though, is do you know Dave Margraff, the black belt from Cellar? Just added him on Facebook, but that's yeah, all just that I, massive that's all I know being. about him. Yeah. When we were training together at the Cellar, it was like one of the first couple of times we were training together, and I went to go for a guard pass on him, and like I was a, a spaz little blue belt at the time, you know. Love it. But I, I swung around when I went to for the guard pass, and my knee connected to like his temple the side of his head yeah so like hard and loud it sounded like a baseball bat like cracking a piece of wood <laughs> like it was it was and like he was like he didn't get knocked out or anything but like he was it was painful for him and it was like mm-hmm. my knee was sore that night and everything oh, to where it was wow. like i felt terrible but yeah i think that's that's probably the worst thing i've ever done to someone sure. in training i think and he knows sure. where you live now still he he, does, he, yes. he's been keeping he's, an eye yes, on yes, it ever since and yes. he's waiting for his chance I yeah think. he's gonna yeah. kill me yeah. <laughs> the one time from like any kind of any version of a mount position I ever decided to like swing to or like move to S mount position and swing a leg around and try to get a you know an arm bar I I just straight kicked and there's uh-huh. another blue belt uh, named Dustin he's a good guy uh, stra- Dustin's cool shit. yeah straight kicked him in the head and like every time I saw him for like three months after that I'm like how's your head man you okay <laughs> you okay you know like I'll 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 lose position and quote unquote lose around and tap just because there was a point at which I had an advantageous position and I would have really felt bad if I hurt somebody so I don't do it <laughs> you know like it, the whole thing just makes me feel really bad but well like yeah like like when I'm rolling and like I get to a position where I know like I'm going for a submission like when you're training you should always make sure you're giving your partner an opportunity to tap. Mm-hmm. Like and if they escape because you're giving like them out like a, a moment to tap like just let it be yeah. like presume you had it yeah right? and just Take keep fl- like keep a, going like like when I go for arm bars obviously like if I feel like I'm extending the arm and I feel like they're gonna try to work to escape it just let them work to escape it mm-hmm. like it's not it's not mm-hmm. a big deal it's a fucking training session yeah yeah you don't need to hump to the sky to exactly try to make it hurt so that they'll tap yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll tap to warm ups. It's all good. I'm not afraid of nothing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, tap early, tap often. I'm gonna make t-shirts. Yep. Tap early, tap often. You can always try it again. Right? No one's leaving the gym with a medal. So, do you have a preference, um, one way or the other, gi or no gi? Oh, I definitely prefer gi. Why? Is um, that? I, I mean, like no gi is fun in terms of like the scrambles and everything like that. Because there's obviously a lot more scrambles because you can't hold on to your opponent. But I th- I think in the gi, there's a lot more room for creativity. And I like like you can control your opponent a lot more too. Because obviously you have grips and things like that. And in terms of creativity, you can do like a lot of different things like manipulating the gi and things like that. 
like getting into the lapel game yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. There's, there's just more things. Or just to like hang in terms like to. submissions too. Like you can use the lapel to like, sure. you know, try to like trap an arm or you know choke someone or things like that. And, Would I be wrong to generalize it like? Gi is definitely like layer more layers and creative game, whereas no gi is more athletic. Or is well, I don't, I don't want to knock on no gi guys because there's a lot of cool submissions no, that are done. In no knock well. either direction. Yeah. Like you, you yeah. could honestly talk a little trashy either direction yeah. based on that generalization. I mean, like, like, like straight up, like with the gi, like you don't have like that slip and slide game so much, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not. I'm there's, not gonna like fall from a position try to base and tear my pack or something like well like this. not it's not less, necessarily like that slippery. but like you know you try to hold, you try to hold on to someone and they're just so like sweaty yeah, okay. and slippery they just, just like, establishing they just slime out of it you know right yeah. away and but they're 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 like i don't i'm not like a nogi expert by any means but there there certainly is like a lot of like cool shit you can do in nogi as well yeah. that yeah. you can, that you couldn't get away with in the gi mm-hmm. um but i, I just Personal preferences as gi. Sure. It's um, very uh, much a novice. When you watch no gi, it feels more magic. Yes. You're like, it's over now? What ha- <laughs> what, what what was the deal? Like yeah. I saw one guy was sort of on top of the other guy, but what happened? You know, it's it's almost like a little bit more of a meta game visually. Yeah. I mean, I think in generally like with no gi, there's, there's a lot more like a lot of the, the leg attacks that happen, I think, with no gi than... Mm-hmm. As a, like generally, you know, gi tournaments are going to be like, okay, you can't reap, you can't heal hook, you can't do things like that. IBJJF stuff. Yeah. Right? Yes. But they are, the, the, add, they're adding that next year into the no gi game. Which I saw is that. Yeah. Yeah. Very smart. I think. Um, just to diversify it and, and, yeah. and just, make I mean, it more like a complete game. They, there's no reason why you shouldn't be doing that. No gi, honestly, like let people, you know, attack the fucking knee and heel hooks and things like that. In gi, like, you mean? I'm sorry. In gi. Well, gi gi will be the same. You still can't reap in gi. Okay. Oh no. Okay. I'll follow. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, there, there's there's like a like a certain amount of creativity still, yeah. in like no gi and like. Yeah. Do you think that the 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 greater propensity for a leg lock game is sort of like in place of the lack of grips? Like you don't have this big thick lapel for me to play off of either as a lapel guard type thing or any other just grip establishment. So then I move to the other end of your body. It's actually a good question. I hadn't really thought of it till now. It makes me hesitate to call it a good question. But like, but like honestly, like other than just simple rule sets, like if I can grab the most predominant part of your body, the torso, easily with grips of these big thick you know, material all the way down your torso and control it, then I'm going to do that. Once I can't do that, I'm moving away from your grabby things, your hands, and I'm moving to your legs. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, it makes sense. Like you're quite, but like, I honestly, like, I don't know like why that's like differentiated so much and like no gi versus gi jujitsu. Like, Mm -hmm. like kind of how I said it, like I honestly, I understand like, like it's a lot more slippery and no gi and like things like that. But like, I don't know why they like. I don't know who I mean by they, but why gi versus no gi? You can't reap or like heel hook and things like that. Like I understand like the different rule sets, but I don't like yeah. fundamentally. I don't understand why there's a difference between there. Like I just right. Why is it allowed over there? Yeah, over exactly. Here? Like I don't like have an answer. Maybe for like that. a traditionalist. Yeah, sort I think of that thing. might be a the gi like, is a little more steeped in that old yeah, school yeah. thing. Same reason why, like, you can't just like hit someone in the balls or like something like that. Like, it's just, it's just not part of it, you know. Yeah, we go to Naga and then you can do that. Yes, 
Never you can hit the balls in the golf. No, I don't think so. You can <laughs> slam them, though, right? I mean, you may as well just hit me in the balls. You're going to pick me up and slam me. I don't know. Slamming should not be allowed in jiu-jitsu. I don't, I, Is that a firm position or are you being sarcastic? No, I'm, I, that's a firm position. I don't it's think to, that's one of the things I like about you, Kevin, is that like it's similarly tough to read your sarcasm when you've got it, <laughs> just like it is with me. Um, but you're actually saying don't slam in jiu-jitsu. I don't think you should be able to slam in jiu-jitsu regardless of whether or not you're on like an air race mat or. Why not? I don't know. Like, and I'm not taking a position one way. Oh, no. Like I, just, I, I don't. Same reason you can't hit someone like. Jiu-jitsu is like a grappling submission-based thing, and I feel like slamming someone is kind of like a strike almost. Like, you're, you're, do, you, do you run into that gray area of like good wrestling takedowns where like, well, it didn't really look like he was sweeping the leg as he threw him through the air and slammed into the mat. So was I, it a slam or was yeah, it a Yeah, but like if if you're if someone like if you're in someone's garden, you're just straightening up, picking them up and slamming them down, like that's just you, know, you might as well just let them hit each other in the face at that sure. point. You I bring feel like. impact yeah. into it like yes. it shouldn't be. Because yeah. obviously, like part of jiu-jitsu, like there's going to be a takedown game aspect to it, and like there's that judo. Is there sport. though? Is there really? Well, well, I mean, like you can obviously <laughs> sit on your butt and yeah. scoot in, Butt's but scooting, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just like like I think like the whole combat jiu-jitsu thing is just so fucking stupid. The slappy stuff. Yeah. yeah. I I mean I I guess like. As like an idea guy, like, hey, that's an interesting idea. Let's go try yeah. it. I dig it. But like, then you see a few years of its application, and you're kind of like, eh, they're slapping each other while they're in. Guard it's like, why not just that. add fish hooks and stuff like that to MMA? You know? You mean get back to the heart of it? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Nut shots and fish hooks and eye gouges. Let's go. Not to be a purist. finger twist. Yeah. Just finger single twist. finger break. Oh, finger break. Okay, yeah. yeah. Indian burns. That's you don't want to call it Indian burns, but you know what I mean. Snake that bite. Snake bite. Snake bite. Is that the deal? That's oh, PC. Good. I'm glad. That's I'm, PC. No, I'm glad to hear it. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> See, I learned something today. All right, so Kevin, so the like one of the last things I'm going to ask most of you black belt types in this booze with black belts series is, um, basically advice for someone at a white belt, blue belt, purple belt, brown belt level. So start with what like I say I'm a white belt because. Um, Ishmael gave me a blue belt as a joke, right? So I'm a white belt. <laughs> Greatest what, joke ever. What? <laughs> so far, so good, yeah. So <laughs> nobody's laughing except him. Um, <laughs> so, like, as a white belt, like, what, what you want to be, you want to be an instructor now, you're saying. So, yep. like, as a white belt, what, what should I be working on? What should I be aspiring to? Um, as a white belt, I'd say it's kind of like like learning how to swim, basically. Just like learn how to be comfortable on the ground, essentially. So, if you're if you're learning how to swim, like learn how to be comfortable in water, yeah, like treading water. Yeah, almost. exactly. Like just you know, figure out the basic moves. You know, hip escapes. You know, there maybe like a basic sweep, things like that. Um, like maybe like you find out one good guard pass, but as a white belt, definitely just. Just get comfortable, like being in the gym, and like being able to roll with people and things like that, like for sure. Um, as a blue belt, once you get your blue belt, just be able to get your ass kicked. Don't. I mean, if you if you leave the gym after just getting the shit beat out of you, be upset, but don't be upset to the point that you want to get better. But don't don't quit for sure. Because if you quit, then You'll never be a black belt. 
purple belt, I'll oh, learn how to roll hard. Be comfortable with just showing up to the gym every day and being able to just roll really hard. That's like I've read that a few times. Like to like at, at a purple belt should be a rolling belt, and I think that I, like I, I truly believe like you just need to like learn how to be winded all the time and like just yeah. Brown belt. I don't I don't really know what to say from there because um. Well, you were just a brown belt. At all. Just, you haven't had time to reflect. Start figuring out. That's a good question. Getting more confused at brown belt. Um, Maybe that's it. Embrace a new level of confusion. Yeah, exactly. That's good. That's Don't a good way to put it. Don't agree with me, bro. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe just like as a brown belt, maybe just like start thinking more about like how you do your game, I guess, and how to like articulate that. Because then, like, once you get black to black belt, I feel like you should be able to articulate your game a lot more. So, but like, kind of like backtracking, I think purple belt, like along with the rolling purple belt, you should for sure have your game figured out by then too. So then, brown belt, maybe try to refine on that a lot more. So then, once you get to black belt, like. You know how to roll hard. You know your game, and you know how to articulate your game. That's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> Sounds good to me, brother. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> K-Sketchime, Instagram. Anything else? <laughs> it's at K-Sketchime. At K-Sketchime. No. Yeah. Hi, Poppy. Just <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. And we ended. Put my phone in his